This is the Manga Mavericks podcast on allcomic.com, episode 22. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton. And I'm Sid. And this is totally the original episode 22. We did not try and record an episode last time, and I totally did it accidentally delete it. Yeah, there's not a long-lost four-hour-long podcast that you'll never get to listen to that we did. Yeah, it's it's really lost because no one's ever going to get to listen to it. <laughs> ever. Never, which really sucks because I like we mentioned it in if you guys happen to listen to our newest uh, manga fight uh, between uh, Maxi Bernard from, uh, of uh, Friendship Ever Victory and Sid here, then we, we kind of already talked about it a little bit. But yeah, again, I, I really do have to apologize because that was such a stupid mistake on my part. And that's never going to happen again. I promise that. Unless my computer suddenly like bursts into flames, then there's no way I can like, I I like I I I can't account for um for acts of nature, you know. There's an artificial intelligence lurking in the web that's trying to sabotage us. Sometimes it does feel like that. Yes, Sid, um, how how are you doing, bud? Uh, extremely busy, extremely tired. I actually. <laughs> I actually had to go to the hospital because I got, suffered from a heart attack from overexhaustion, and I'm not even joking about that. That's actually something that happened. Oh my god, Sid! I'm alive. I'm alive. I rested. Well, I got clearly, sleep you can't for a be, night. You, you can't be dropping these bombs on me. What the hell? Well, it's okay. Actually, you know, it's a good thing that I crawled out of that bathroom where I got that heart attack because when what? I was calling 911 on the phone, the woman on the other line said, okay, so you're in the school library bathroom, uh, women's bathroom. I'm like, what? No, I'm in the men's bathroom. And she was like, you're in the man's bathroom? Yes, I'm a man. And she was like, <laughs> oh, uh, Okay, I'm sorry. And it's like, uh, okay. Uh, uh, you know, this is a life and death situation here. You should get my gender right. And so then I, it's a good thing I got out of that bathroom. Because when the p- paramedics came looking for me, they were like still looking for a woman. And it was like, it's a good thing I got out of there. Because otherwise they would never found me. And I would be still be lying on that floor, probably dead. It's a, not dead because it was just over exhaustion and and I was it was hurting a lot, but it wasn't life threatening necessarily. But still, uh, uh, okay, I'm speechless. Um, I don't know how to react to that. I'm glad you're okay, Sid. <laughs> yeah, like, Jesus. Um, well, other than that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh at that, but you like totally caught me off guard. Like the 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 face my you have completely destroyed whatever face I had for podcasting. Now I'm like now I'm like in human being mode worrying about my friend here and too bad this wasn't a isn't a visual podcast because that that would have been a good reaction, I guess. But um, no, no, it's okay, uh, guys. I'm I'm fine. I'm alive. You know, I got I got rest was all I needed. I got that the next day. I took it easy. I'm better now. You know, I, I just got to keep better care of my health. Not do as many like late nights and go as many nights without sleeping. It's what and it, it's it's the end of semester. Don't have as much work to do. You know, I 
got the winter break ahead. I'm just going to take it easy for the next couple of weeks. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. This is this is an order from 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 your uh, host and friend. Uh, as soon as we're done with the podcast, I order you to go to bed. Yeah, I probably will because I have another long day ahead of me tomorrow, as I always do. Jesus, I I know I know the holidays are rough, but come on, Sid. No, actually, holidays will be quite a break. It's all the pre-holiday stuff that's really busting my balls. And, uh, and, appara- and apparently your hearts. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, well, on that very shocking and surprising note, Jesus Christ, Sid. Uh, so, we're going to have a great episode of the podcast with no heart attacks. Uh, I mean, there will be some surprising news here and there, I I think, but... You know, generally, I think we're just we're just going to kind of round off the year of uh, our, our, I guess, kind of our first year of Manga Mavericks. I keep forgetting. I keep forgetting. Technically, our first podcast was posted like in late January mm. earlier this year. For some reason, I keep thinking we started like in February, but whatever. I can't remember anything right. Uh, so I guess by the time uh, January 26th comes up next year, it'll be our it'll be our first year anniversary. Mm-hmm. But we're closing off our first calendar year with this episode. Yeah, we're uh, we're basically going to be going over. Uh, we're going to try to go over whatever news uh, you know we tried to cover on our last uh, lost episode. Not all of it, but whatever we can salvage, along with some new news, some more current news, and then, uh, uh, Sid, what what exactly are we going to be doing after the news? After the news, we're going to be doing something very special. We're going to be going over uh, our t- year-end top lists for uh, manga. And basically what that is, those are some kind of awards we're giving for, like, some kind of for things in manga this year that we really enjoyed. And topics that we're going to cover are, like, our favorite new story of the year, our favorite new North American license from this year... Our favorite character in a currently running manga this year. Our favorite villain from a currently running manga this year. Our favorite fight from a currently running series this year. Our favorite currently running series in general. Our favorite new currently running series. The best chapter of a currently running series we're reading this year. The best series finale uh, this year. And the best moment in manga this year. As well as a series that we plan to read in 2017. Yeah, get ready for some doozies from me. Uh, <laughs> if I haven't already talked about them on Twitter, maybe I don't remember. Uh, <clears throat> probably overhyping that a little bit, but yeah. So I think that's gonna be about it for the episode, and we'll we'll have some Q and A's at the end too, in case you're interested. Um, including some from from Twitter. Uh, actually, um, we talked about it on the uh, on the last manga fight. Which, by the way, if you haven't listened to the last manga fight, uh, I just want to say it was it was very funny. It's very good. I really enjoyed re-listening to it, and I hope people don't mind my very weird experimental editing with some parts of that. Uh, so yeah, go listen to that if you haven't already. Uh, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, uh, we kind of mentioned it in our manga fight, but in case you haven't listened to that, we did recently start up a Twitter and a Tumblr page. So, you know, we'll mention them again at the end of the show, but, you know, if you want to tweet at us, or if you just want to follow us for really the quickest updates on the podcast, please follow us at manga underscore Mavericks. Or if you possibly want to maybe get some updates on uh, on Tumblr or, uh, you know, just follow us for some funny, goofy pictures or whatever people post on Tumblr, uh, you can uh, follow us on manga mavericks.tumblr.com. 
And I think with all of that out of the way, I think we should just get right onto our news. So mm-hmm. uh, we are going to start with uh, with the usual New York Times bestselling manga list uh, from the week of December 4th to the 10th. And um, we're not going to go over every title, and I'm going to explain why in just a second. But first off, uh, it is worth mentioning that at number one, uh, number ranking number one on the list is the manga adaptation of The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time Volume 1 from Akira Himikawa. This basically being its sixth week on the list. I think it's been uh, number one for all of these rankings, too, hasn't it? Yes, consecutively been number one these six weeks. Uh, it's been a real strong seller, it seems, for this. Pretty much. And um, we're going to go right to number three here. Again, you'll see why in just a second. At number three, it's um, it's a it's a new 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 title on the list. Uh, I guess new entry on the list. Uh, Monster Musume Volume Ten. Uh, so that's cool. Monster Musume is still is still uh fairly popular, it seems. And honestly, I don't usually do this, but I don't think it's really worth going over the rest of the list. Basically, all you need to know is that the rest of the list is literally made up of all One Punch Man, Tokyo Ghoul, and Black Butler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it, th- like all three of those series have dominated this list for the most part. Yeah, One Punch Man has two volumes on the list, with Volume One ranking at number two, and Volume Nine ranking at number six. Tokyo Ghoul has four volumes on the list, with Volume One ranking at number four, Volume Nine at number seven, Volumes Three at number nine, and Volume Eight at number ten. And Black Butler has two volumes on the list as well, with Volume Twenty Three at number five, and Volume One at number eight. Uh, so that's pretty much the list. There's not really much to discuss other than Zelda's pretty much conquering the list at number one. And, you know, all the usual suspects are there. And I think that's about it, right? Yeah, that's basically all there is to say about the New York Times list this uh, week. Uh, it's kind of a shame to end the year off on a list that's pretty, you know, homogenous, full of basically dominated by three series. But... No, nothing new, I guess, for as far as the trend goes for the entire year. One Punch Man and Tokyo Ghoul just dominating. You know, funny story about Tokyo Ghoul? Like, there was this guy in my fantasy writing class who did a presentation about it for his final. Interesting. Week. Yeah, there's actually a lot of anime manga presentations in that <laughs> class. For some, I guess there's a lot of taku in that class. I just didn't know. Ha, you guys are nerds. <laughs> We are our students. <laughs> that that really explains everything. Uh, so, I guess moving on from that, it is worth mentioning briefly that uh, the Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time is going to be given a uh, a special free uh, free preview on Free Comic Book Day this year. So basically, this is going to print out a uh, a free preview for that that people can pick up on May sixth, twenty seventeen. So uh, look out for that. No surprise, considering how well this Ocarina of Time book is doing. Uh, I mean, free comic book day promotions usually are done to promote series, but I mean, this is, you know, just to add some fuel to the fire of how successful this Zelda manga is doing. So I think that's a really cool thing. I'm I'm actually kind of surprised they're not doing like a double preview of like, um, of, of this and the Super Mario Brothers manga. 
I mean, the Super Mario Brothers monitor isn't more of it that's going to come out, whereas with this Ocarina of Time manga... There's like it's a, like a series that they're releasing. That's true. I'm just of. I'm just saying it would have made sense because you know they're both Nintendo franchises or whatnot. It just I don't it like to me it would make sense seeing as how like you know Viz has done like double samplers before. Where I actually I actually have a sampler. I think it was from this year. I don't remember. I still have their sampler of um where they where they had both JoJo and Yu Gi Oh in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's pretty neat. I'm not letting that out of my sight. So that's a pretty cool thing they did. I'm I'm glad JoJo got that treatment. I mean, it could have been. I think it a, a good pairing for the Zelda manga would be with the the new Sun and Moon Pokemon manga that'll that's coming out. Either like that new just standalone Sun and Moon manga, or the Adventures arc that's you know sure to come out in the next couple of months or so. Yeah, that's another one. That's another good one too. Personally, even better. I think if they. If they really wanted to, I know they probably wouldn't, but maybe they could, like, uh, maybe they could put out a sampler with, like, all three in there. That'd be really cool. Mm-hmm. Make it, make it, like, a big Nintendo-themed kind of thing. Yeah, that'd be interesting. That would be pretty cool, but, um, so yeah, look forward to that this next coming May. And, um, Sid, what's the, what's the next thing we're gonna be talking about here? Okay, now we're gonna be talking about the big list. We're gonna be Ooh. talking about the Oricon year-end top-selling manga in Japan by series list for 2016. This list uh, covers sales surveyed from November 23rd, 2015 through November 20th, 2016 uh, from retailers all across Japan, and it uh, estimates the sales of manga titles in the period, and it ranks them. And so... Do you want to go through the entire top thirty or just the top ten? Let's think? let's just do the top ten, and then we could we could look through the rest and see if our, any of our favorites made it to the list afterwards. All right, so I'm going to count down from ten to one. So at number ten, we have with three million four hundred seventy-seven thousand one hundred twenty-eight sales, Food Wars Shokugeki no Soma. Okay, well that makes sense. Food Wars is a fairly popular title in Jump nowadays, and it even had an anime this year, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Food Wars is going strong. It's interesting. Uh, sales are. It's good that sales are high since rankings in Jump have been kind of low recently. Mm-hmm. But because volume sales are so high, I think that the series is uh, going to have some healthy success and be safe for a good while, though. Yeah. Uh, at ranking at number nine, with three million nine hundred seventy-nine seven hundred sixty sales, is One Punch Man. There we go. Mm-hmm. One Punch Man selling strong in Japan and the U.S. Yeah, we'll we'll be bringing that up in just a little bit. Also selling strong at number eight, four million two hundred seventy-eight thousand five hundred ninety-nine in sales. Tokyo Ghoul Re. One Punch Man and Tokyo Ghoul, strong sellers, both Japan and in the West. Yeah, but uh, unfortunately, it doesn't compare to the rest of this list from Japan, though. No. (laughs) (laughs) At number seven, we have, with 5,114,916 in sales, My Hero Academia. I'm glad to see that's doing well, too. Again, also had an anime this year, so that probably helped. Yes, and this is, I think, a pretty significant boost from last year, too. So it's really great to see this kind of, my hero, Academia, really picking up steam. So it's really cool. 
Uh, at number six, we have with five million one hundred fifteen thousand five hundred seventy stream sales, the Seven Deadly Sins. Sins has been a strong seller these past couple of years, and this year proves no different. Though a little down from last year, where it was number two, it still is pulling some pretty impressive numbers. Oh, was it really number two? Yeah, last Damn. year it was. Wow, hmm, didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And at number five, with six million four hundred seventy-four thousand three hundred ninety-four in sales, High Q. Yeah, volleyball boys. Mm-hmm. Again, another very strong seller and one of the most successful jump titles currently running, without a doubt. And a new anime this year too, which I think just ended. Yes, the Mattress Shiratorizawa, which was very well received from everything I've been hearing. Yeah, from from like the gifs and uh, screen caps I had seen like all over the place. It looked it looked pretty cool actually. I should check that out, because I have a feeling I'll enjoy that match a lot more than I did in the manga. I still need to finish season one. <laughs> <laughs> At uh, number four, with 6,544,081 in sales, Attack on Titan. Again, another considerably strong seller. Mm, I'm kind of interested in seeing what its sales are like when season two comes out next year. I'm sure we'll see another significant boost and see it. Maybe even see good n- numbers that bridge the gap between it and our number one here again. Yeah, I I really wouldn't be surprised if it like made number two next year because I feel like that's pretty likely. But we'll just have to see. Yeah, at number three with six million five hundred and ninety five nine hundred sixty eight in sales, Kingdom. Yeah, this is a series I see people talk about constantly. This is a series I definitely need to get into, and it's a series that I continue to be surprised has not been licensed over here, because with it being such a strong seller as it is, it's pretty astonishing that no one has jumped on it yet. Yeah, and from what I've seen, it seems like there'd be a lot of interest in it, too, so I'm hoping maybe Kodansha picks it up? I don't know if... It's a Shueisha title, so... Oh, you... oh yeah, then, uh, then I don't know, because... If it's Shueisha, then Viz would have probably, you know, exclusive rights to that because, you know, they pick up a lot of Shonen Jump stuff. I think they're partially owned by Shonen Jump, or Shonen Jump, uh, Shueisha, right? Yeah, they're owned by both Shueisha and Shogakukan. Okay, then, uh, I don't know. Yeah, we'll just have to see. Like, Kingdom looks like the kind of thing that I'm not sure Viz would really pick up, honestly. But I don't know, maybe that'll change next year. Mm -hmm. Well, here's hoping. At number two, with 6,887,192 in sales, Assassination Classroom. Assassination Classroom has ended the year, uh, its final year, in that it had in serialization very strong and selling really great numbers. I'm very happy for it. Yeah, it, it ended pretty early in the year, too, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty surprised to see that it's still going strong. Yeah, I, I think that its popularity just continued to grow after it ended, and it's been kept relevant just as consistently throughout the year. So people continue to buy it. So it's pretty cool to see it uh, see it now at on here and with such high sales. But it doesn't even compare to the number one. It's in fact pretty much half of what our number one has, and our number one. Yeah, this is literally <laughs> double. 
Yeah, our number one would double the sales of number of our number two here is of course no surprise with twelve million three hundred fourteen thousand three hundred twenty six in sales. One Piece far and away dominating everything else on this list yet again for the umpteenth year in a row, as it always does. Wasn't there one year where Attack on Titan took the number one spot though? I feel like that <sighs> happened. Maybe, maybe. Actually, yes, I do remember this now. It did happen, like, the year the anime came out. Mm-hmm, okay. But, yeah, I mean, what can you say? It's it's One Piece. It's literally the most... It's literally the most famous comic ever created at this point, I think it's safe to say. Well, not most famous comic ever created. It's the... And not even most famous manga, but it's definitely the highest-selling manga worldwide, so... I know, I know. There's a, there's like a, there's like a title I'm trying to think of, and I, I just can't think of it. But it's, it's, it's pretty significant. Oh yeah! <laughs> Again, it is the highest selling manga of all time, yeah, far and away. So, I feel like at this point, it's not possible to beat its sales. Yeah, I mean, we have their Attack on Titan seemed to poise itself up as a rival a couple years back, but. uh Hasn't really lasted that long. Yeah, pretty much. Um, is it is it any surprise of what the top ten is made of here? Uh, or do you think it's a lot of the usual suspects? Or No real surprises. I think Food Wars breaking the top ten was a little unexpected, but it was not necessarily a surprise. And I think everything else was to be expected, Attack Assassination Classroom selling more than Kingdom of Attack on Titan might it is might also be a surprise, but not entirely unexpected either. But I think it's a good top ten, and I can see why these are were the top ten highest selling series of this year. Okay, um, let me let me go through the list real here real quick to see if I can find anything here that might also relate to us in the podcast. Uh. Ajin is at number 30 with sales of uh, 1,679,180. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Respectable numbers. I wonder if that'll rise at all with, because um, I think there's a live, yeah, there's a live action movie coming out for Ajin. So I, and I think, um, I don't remember. I think the newest season of the anime is airing at the moment, I think, or is that yes. coming out? It's airing. Actually, it, okay. but it's. Would be it would be over by the end of this month though. So. Okay, then I, I wonder if maybe maybe it'll raise up a little bit or maybe stay at the same place. I don't know. Either of them seem pretty likely. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking. Uh, Nisekoi is at number twenty four. Yeah, and did pretty respectable numbers for its final year. Yep. Uh, sales of one million nine hundred fourteen thousand six hundred thirteen. Uh, there was a few more on here. Oh, there we go. Gintama at number 19. It broke the top 20. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, sales of 2,231,751 copies. So I don't, God, okay. I could go on about Gintama and I don't want to because I already have an entire podcast about it, but. Yeah, listen to Lila left since to hear Colton talk about Gintama. But I, but I will say I really, I'm really curious to see how its sales are going to are going to turn out because I don't think there's any doubt in anyone's mind that the manga is definitely going to be ending sometime next year. Like it's not mm. going to, it's not going to go into 2018. 
Yeah. Like, because, you know, with the new anime coming out really soon, actually, and then the live-action movie this summer, I really I really hope it at least maybe gets up to, like, maybe number 15 on the list, maybe. I don't expect it to get top 10, because Gintama's popular, but it's never been, like, a powerhouse, you know? The, the, yeah. anime, the anime has always been more popular than the manga, from what I've seen. I'm expecting the. I actually am kind of pr- expecting the Gintama manga will end around the, a little bit before when the movie comes out. Probably and a yeah. little bit before the anime ends, so that the anime can cover the ending of the manga. Probably yeah, or it could be very possible that that the anime goes from one core to cover the Rakyo arc in particular. Yeah, but, but I I don't know I don't know how likely that is, but that's it's something that could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, World Trigger's on here at number yep. eighteen, right after that, with sales of two hundred. Or I'm sorry, uh, two million two hundred thirty-four thousand eight hundred fifty-one. Yeah, World Trigger is very successful in sales. I think that's very good for it. And you know, I'm hoping Ashihara returns from uh, his hiatus, and uh, you know, he, he can continue the series because it definitely has a lot of support, and it's definitely really popular right now. Um, Bleach is on here at number 17, with uh, sales of 2,253,028. I mean, as much as you can say about the decline of Bleach, I mean, really, it still ended this year in the as one of the top 20 highest-selling manga of the year, so... It's still, to the end, it was, it's one of the, it was one of the most popular manga that has ever run, so... Uh, and I think the only other two I'm interested in mentioning in particular personally would be, uh, let's see, uh, Erased uh, landed at number 15 on the list with sales of 2,507,468, um, which I don't know if you watched it at all, Sid, but, um, you know, with the anime premiering uh, earlier this year, back in January, I, I'm not too surprised that uh, sales for the manga uh, got it up this high, um, but uh, you know, from I, I I watched all of it. I thought it was I thought it was pretty good, aside from the actual mystery. Honestly, um, I think that's it's better than in the manga. I will tell you that. Yeah, that's right. There are very significant differences between the two, which is which is th- th- thankfully thankfully that got licensed this year because I do want to read the manga at some point. But, um, but yeah, that's on the list. <laughs> <laughs> um, and at number 14, one of my favorite series, definitely, Detective Conan, mm-hmm. or Case Closed, at number 14 with sales of 2622350 Yay, Conan! Now, at first, I was I was a little taken aback because, like, Conan is obviously a very big franchise in Japan, but I think it has, it has modest enough sales to warrant its popularity, though. Well, I mean, it's always been... Like in this top twenty these last couple of years for these Oricon year end top selling manga series list. So I mean, of course it's like one of the most successful manga titles still. And uh yeah, I mean Conan's still going strong after all these years. It's pretty crazy, it's gonna hit a thousand chapters next year. Oh jeez. Um that's gonna be insane. Uh is there um, anything else on this list you wanna mention or I think we covered it all. It's a pretty good list. I mean not no real surprises necessarily, but a lot of welcome sales figures. Yeah, this is this is a good list. A lot, a lot of stuff I really like on here. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, something else that I really like was that uh, some manga got recognized by Amazon's top graphic novels of 2016 list, those series being Princess Jellyfish and Shigeru Mizuki's The Burt of Kataro. Both are a great series uh, and very well-deserved picks for the honor of some of the best graphic novels to have come out this year. And I'm really glad to see them get recognized. Yeah, I'm glad to see that um, Kitaro in particular is, seems to be doing pretty well. And Princess Jellyfish, too. I um, I would like to get to both of those. I've seen the anime for Princess Jellyfish, but that's about it. Princess Jellyfish is one of my favorite mangas, so I'm extremely happy that it just continues to do so well. And I'm really hoping that Akiko Igashimuro's other manga gets Put, translated over here too, because there's so many of those I love to read, and Kaka Kaka Shika Jika, of course, you know, I'd love to see that get officially licensed as well. That that'd be a great title to bring over here. Oh man, if it's your favorite manga, then I'm gonna have to read it. Um, One of my favorite manga, but definitely, it, it, I love it so much. So we basically have Diamond Comic Distributors uh, list uh, top 300 graphic novels list. Uh, from November, and you know, um, amongst a, amongst a few manga releases on the list, uh, One Punch Man Volume Nine in particular ranked at number thirteen. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty good. And then uh, let's see, I guess just to name a few off this list, I won't go through the whole thing. But you know, again, uh, Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time Volume One ranked uh, thirty-one, which. I'm almost surprised it didn't rank a little higher, but I mean, I guess that's that's still pretty good, though. Mm. Um, and then Super Mario Adventures, uh, that newest release of um, of the Nintendo Power comic, uh, came up at uh, number forty eight. Uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure: Stardust Crusaders Volume One, uh, particularly the the hardcover editions that were just released, uh, Volume One ranked one hundred and seventy seven on the list. Um, not like super high out of the list, but it's it's still good enough, I think, for JoJo. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to see it a lot higher, but, you know. I would have at least liked to see it maybe break the top 100. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to see One Piece Volume 80 break the top 100 at number 89, for sure. I mean, I think that should go to show the naysayers about One Piece's success in North America that, yeah, One Piece is a successful title over here. I mean, funny isn't showing film gold in theaters next month for no reason. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think, you know, it's really cool to see One Punch Man Volume 9 rank so highly. Like, we've been covering the book scan lists on the show, and, you know, One Punch Man always does really well there, and it's another, it's good to see another list that also corroborates that same kind of information. Like, One Punch Man, on this list is far and away the highest ranked manga. It's like competing with like the best and most popular comics out there, like on a really competitive level. I think that's a really, really cool thing. Though I'm, I'm like, I'm like looking at the list and I don't know. I don't think it really means anything, but I think it's also worth noting that I don't see any volumes of Tokyo Ghoul on here. So that's really weird. Yeah, it is weird. I mean, Diamond's rankings don't necessarily cover all the distributors in the area and like in the United States. So there might be some like gaps. Also, though, 
There wasn't a new Tokyo Ghoul volume released in November. Oh, okay. And That's I right. think That's this right. list right. is only covering new releases from November. So, yeah. Um, I think that's about it for the... I don't think there's anything else we want to mention on here, right? No, but there is one other thing about One Punch Man you wanted to mention. That's right. Thank you for that transition. So, speaking of One Punch Man, in the uh, 52nd issue of um, of Shueisha's Young Jump, uh, they basically announced that uh, One Punch Man, as of this past November, uh, over in Japan, One Punch Man has sold 11.11 million copies. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There are 11.11 million copies in print, I should say. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which, you know, it's not anything like super groundbreaking, but, you know, I still thought it was worth mentioning. uh, Because it seems like One Punch Man's popularity really all over just seems to be growing more and more. And I really can't wait to see if it grows, you know, with the new season coming out next month. Or, I'm sorry, next year, next year. Definitely. I mean, I think as we've been seeing from One Punch Man, its popularity, like, worldwide is just continuing to increase. I think the series is just going to continue building and building that momentum. And that when that next second season hits next year, I think it's going to go up another level. Mm-hmm, pretty much. But uh, moving on from that, uh, we actually have some uh, Yen Press licenses uh, we need to uh, put out there as well. Uh, Yen Press announced around uh i think thanksgiving weekend that they licensed both the uh the sound euphonium and magical girl magical girl raising project novels uh the magical girl raising that <laughs> the magical girl raising project yes i can't i can't say that <laughs> title too fast those the the magical girl novels in particular are slated for a summer 2017 release though it doesn't look like there's a uh, release date for the uh, Sound Euphonium novels just yet. Um, I'm I'm interested in this a little bit just because, like, I remember Sound Euphonium when when the anime for that came out. I remember the first season in particular had a lot of buzz going for it. And a lot of people like uh, really loved it. Where it doesn't look like season two this year has gotten nearly as much buzz. I don't know if that's just because maybe the quality of the show overall dipped. I have no idea. I. I, I watched, like, three episodes, and I, I thought it, it it looks amazing, obviously, but, like, you know, I just I just never got around to finishing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have, I honestly have no idea. Like, I, I know the Magical Girl Raising Project, I know that has an anime out at the moment. I know it's probably going to be ending soon, though, but I literally have no idea what that series is about, other than it's a Magical Girl thing. The premise of Magical Girl Raising Project, I've heard a little bit about it, and it sounds interesting to me, because... It's a series where anyone, literally anyone, can be a magical girl. Okay. And it's kind of interesting to me uh, how the series explores, like, who can be a magical girl and what that says about them. And, like, uh, to me, the concept of it sounds interesting. Some of the things I've been hearing about it sounds interesting. So I'm interested in checking out the show and um, certainly the novels as well. So it's pretty cool that Yen Press continues, you know, to license some cool new uh, light novels. Uh, they also licensed the Grimgar Fancy Ash manga after licensing the novels for that earlier this year. So they're, they're continuing to do good work licensing uh, popular light novels and their manga counterparts. Thank you. I completely missed that for some <laughs> reason. Um, 
But yeah, those are all neat if you're uh, if you're a fan of any of those series in particular. Uh, Yen Press has licensed them, and they'll be selling them soon. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Um, so Sid, uh, Comixology, I I use that service a lot in particular, and I really like buying. I actually like buying a lot of my manga through there whenever I have to buy it digitally. Um, I hear they added a lot of stuff. Would you like to tell me about some of that? Yes, speaking of Yen Press, Comixology has finally added Yen Press titles to its service. They launched 1,200 manga and manga volumes from Yen Press this Monday. Titles including Black Butler, the Magiki, the Mamaka Magica mangas, A Comic Kill, and a whole bunch more. They've also added Full Metal Alchemist and a couple other series from Viz as well. But the Yen Press titles is a huge, huge uh, catalog that they've, you know, really put, brought on there. And it's really cool to see Comixology continue to expand their manga catalog. Yeah, this is, this is just a good thing. I'm glad they're adding more stuff to Comixology. Really, the more manga they add on there, the better. Because personally, I think their service is very great. I, I like the fact that, uh, I don't know if we've talked about this on the show before, I'm sure we have, but like, uh, Amazon basically purchased Comixology uh, about a year or two ago at this point. And um, so basically, whatever whatever you buy digitally on Amazon, you know, manga-wise, you know, what you would usually only be able to read on like a Kindle, I think, you can you can read on Comixology, so. Mm-hmm. Comixology is becoming the Crunchyroll of manga, a one-stop place for everything you'd ever want to read, and that's really cool. Yeah, it's it's getting there. I don't think they have, like, I don't think they have everything, but they have a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, just add some stuff from Dark Horse and a few other places, and they'll be all set, really. Yeah, but that also requires Dark Horse to uh, to finally convince themselves that going digital is, you know, a good thing. It is a thing they probably should do, but... Well, they'll get there, give them... God, I, I hope so. We really, we really need Berserk digitally. Like, why hasn't that happened yet? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to go on a pulping rant about that. Speaking of uh, Licensor adding a new manga digitally, this has added... In a quite a surprise, they've added Kiriko Kubo's classic 1986 manga, The Children Nowadays, to their digital service. And it's this game comes to quite a surprise because it's such an obscure series, and I don't. And it just they kind of just announced it suddenly, but it's got a really cool concept. Kirita is a typical child of the 80s, worried about homework and nuclear war. Oh, okay. His, his friend Takumi can't figure out why other kids won't acknowledge him as their superior, and Sigumu just wants to rock out. Like, this concept explores, like, Japanese, the lifestyles of Japanese children living in the 1980s, and, like, all the problems and issues that they were dealing with. And I think that's, like, a really cool kind of idea and it's kind of nice to see Viz, you know, release a title like this um even if it's just on the digital service and it's definitely a title I really want to check out. Yeah, I I'll have to check this out. This sounds like it could be very cute. Not just cute, but I 
be a really cool, like, look into and insight into kind of a, a Japanese culture in the 1980s and specifically how children behave and was responding to that culture. That's what I think would be, is really interesting to me. Yeah. And plus, you know, I, I'm a pretty big fan of like, you know, older manga from that particular time period. I, I, I love stuff from the eighties. Those are always really interesting, like time capsule sort of experiences. Like I, I'm reading, um, I don't, I don't know if I've talked about this on the show either, but I'm reading, um, Sakigake Otokojuku, which is, uh, something that ran and jump in the very early eighties. It's very much a product of its time. It's a very much like a, it's literally like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's a very sort of like very based off like a uh, ho- Hollywood actor kind of like a uh, very manly kind of manga. Basically take take the art style of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and just basically take that without like any of the um any of like the flair that it has at all. And that's mm-hmm. basically what you have there, but so yeah, I I I get a kick out of stuff like this. So I'm definitely going to be checking this out. Uh, but, uh, something else I'm even more excited about, Kodansha USA has come through for me this time. I really can't say that enough. Uh, so, uh, Kodansha USA has licensed Haruko Kumota's Showagen Raku Rakugo Shinju. Try saying that ten times fast. Uh, Showagen Roku Rakugo Shinju. Showagen Roku Rakugo Shinju. No, stop. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. (laughs) God. Okay. So, um, okay. But for those of you who can't, uh, pronounce the full title, they're going to be bringing it over, uh, localized as uh, Descending Stories, which I think is a lot easier to say. And uh, Kodansha USA will be releasing the first volume on May 2017. So definitely going to be buying that. And uh, in particular, the, uh, the the Rakugo Kyokai Association will be supervising the uh, the localization, which um, which I think is probably for the best because, you know, just in case you don't really know the, I guess, the, the, the premise of of uh, I'm just going to call it Rakugo for short of Rakugo. Uh Rakugo is essentially I guess the best way to describe it like it's a very old kind of Japanese entertainment that's been around since like pre-World War II, I believe. It's like it's 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 a very old uh kind of Japanese entertainment where basically you have a guy who's on stage, he's basically kind of a storyteller and basically like it's kind of a it's kind of a monologue almost. You know, like, like the cool thing about Rakugo is that basically it's just, you just have this guy on stage just telling a story and he like has to act out as all these different characters within the story. And it's basically this kind of sort of long winded monologue kind of thing that usually leads up to kind of a punchline. So it's also, it's kind of a, I don't know if I would really call it a, like a full comedy act, but it's. It's usually kind of comedic, but... The different styles, as the series shows, you know, there are some dramatic stories, there are, a lot, there are comedic stories. Yeah. Like, it can, they can go through a whole range of emotions. Yeah, essentially. Um, if you want to, like, a, like, a preview of, you know, what you're getting into, you know, Crunchyroll has the entire first season of the anime up uh, available to watch, and honestly... I've just recently like like this uh, the, this license couldn't have been announced at a better time because I think this is what kind of spurred me to finally watch uh, that first season because this this had premiered like very early this year like around the same time as Erased and I watched like the first three episodes and I just never got around to it and then people just kept talking about it and talking about it and I'm like 
wow, I should really get back to it. And then nine months passed by and I, I finally got back to it. I watched it and I, I love it. Like it's it's like honestly, it's not only like a really great show in general, but it's also very educational and and like really depicts these um these performances. Um it depicts these performances in a very interesting way. Like they feel very realistic. Um mm-hmm. You know, showing like, uh, kind of showing, get, getting into the, uh, getting into the headspace of like each performer or whatever, and it's, it's just, you know, if if you're interested in any kind of like Japanese culture at all, then like this is this is a real treat, um, and I cannot wait to buy this. So, and like this is this is honestly the kind of thing that like I was never expecting to get an get an actual license of. Like, I'm kind of surprised this is being localized. So. You know, if you're interested in this at all, or if you're already a fan of the anime, you need to support this. I like, I, I highly encourage people to go out and buy this. I'm definitely going to be pre-ordering this when I can, because I'm, I'm so excited for this. I'm not sure oh, if yeah. you can tell. Um, Sid, have you, have you seen any of the anime at all? I forget. Uh, yeah, I saw the anime. I watched it as it came out, unlike somebody. Oh, well, you know what? I guess we're going to throw me under the bus here. Um, <laughs> no, I, I'm really excited for this. Like, Rakugo Shinjo is, like, kind of... It's hard to... As, as much as I love... I mean, I love JoJo so much. But, like, as far as really new series, like, this was far and away the best new anime of 2016. And, like, it was just such an incredible, like, story... And I'm just so, so glad to see the manga get licensed because it's such a unique story and, like, has so many powerful emotions going in and such a great time capsule of this very specific time in Japanese culture and, and this very specific and sadly underappreciated and kind of, like, uh, obscure art form these days. And it's really, really, really great stuff. Or at the very least, you know, very struggling. Yeah. <clears throat> But yeah, I'm definitely I like I can't wait for this. Um, and uh, I think the only other thing here uh, that I think Kodansha licensed, uh, they're going to be bringing out a a hardcover volume of uh, a tribute art to Akira's uh, Katsuhiro Otomo called uh, Otomo: A Tribute to the to the Mind Behind Akira. Basically, going to be a 168 page book. Um, and uh, so, if you know if you're a fan of Akira, you know go pick that up too. Yeah, I mean, the 38th anniversary of the film is going to be, it's going to be in like two years, but like, I'm sure this book is going to come out uh, around late next year, early the year after. So, you know, it's, yeah, March, basically... March 2017. Okay, well, I mean, basically, you know, it's a, it's almost been 30 years since the film came out. So this pretty is close, a nice, like a uh, commemoration piece for that. But uh, yeah, good, good on you, Kodansha. Kodansha has really been licensing a lot of great stuff this year. Yeah, they came through with Rakugo Shinju, and now they're coming through for me by finally resuming publication of Annaland after two goddamn years. <laughs> finally, while they, Kodansha Comics released Volume 11 of Animal Land, which they originally put out back in October 2014. Finally, they put, they brought that out and they put it and they, they printed it in November 29th. And I, my copy is at the library. I can finally read freaking volume 11 of Animal Land after waiting for it for two years. And I am finally so, so happy. I can continue the series because Animal Land is so great, and yeah, like 
Thank you, Kadansha. I, I, I wish I didn't have to wait two years, but at least you did continue it. And I hope that that April 4th release date for Volume 12 stays April 4th, and it isn't... It doesn't turn out to be April 4, 2019 instead of April 4, 2017. <laughs> I have to wait another two years for a gosh darn Animal Land volume, even though the series is already over in Japan and has been for years. Like, but, but, but thank you, finally. So glad more Animal Land is finally being published over here. Great series. Check it out. At, at least, at least it's hopefully going to be finally finished being published. So that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, at, at, if, if, if really they could do finish it all next year, but you know, even if it takes until twenty eighteen, like just as long as they consist give it consistent releases, I'll be happy. Uh, well, well, hey, Kodansha's making us both happy. There we go. Yeah. Um, but uh, we're gonna move on to that, and um, a lot of new mangas coming out, and I'm just gonna do my best to try to run through this kind of as quickly as I can while also discussing our thoughts on some of these if we have any. Um, so first off, we have uh, Ray Hiroe uh, resuming Black Lagoon uh, this coming spring. So that's Yay. good. Hopefully, he can finish the arc that he's on before going on hiatus again. But uh, speaking of Black Lagoon, uh, something si- something similar. Um, would be uh, Jormungand, which you know I, I haven't read the manga for it, but you know I, I watched all the anime and I thought it was I thought it was okay. It wasn't I don't think it was good as Black as good as Black Lagoon, but I still liked it enough. The author of that in particular, uh, Keitaro Takahashi, uh, has I think at this point uh, I guess at the time you know when you guys listen to this will have already launched a new fantasy manga uh, in uh, Shogakukan's uh, Sunday GX, which. Which which is also the same magazine that Black Lagoon runs in, so I, that's also kind of interesting to note. And this new series is called uh, Hinmin Seihitsu Daifugo, or roughly translated to Poor Person, Ark of the Covenant, Extremely Rich Person, which, again, like I said, roughly translated. Um, and uh, from the visual we have here, it... It looks very similar to Yormagan in that, like, the white hair girl literally looks like Coco. Mm-hmm. And and the girl that she's talking to kind of looks like uh the boy that was kind of hanging around her, so doesn't look like super different. But I don't know. Sid, so, does this look cool at all to you? Or yeah, I like Yormungand, so I'm definitely gonna check out uh this new series by the guy. So I mean, it is kind of distracting how this character looks a lot like Coco, but with a name like Aurelia de Medici. How can I not be interested? But uh, let's see. The next new manga coming out in uh, the January issue of uh, Kodansha's uh, Shonen Sirius uh, revealed that uh, Sutomu Nihei, who we've mentioned on the podcast before as the author of things such as uh, Knights of Sidonia and Blame, is launching a new series in the magazine's April issue, which comes out on February 25th. I don't know how that works. Uh his new series will be called uh, Ningyo no Kuni, or Country of Dolls. Um, so, Sutomo Nihei, running a new manga in a shonen magazine. And from what I've heard of his work, he's not exactly known for his shonen manga, because I don't think he's ever written one. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting, because he usually tackles really mature teams. So, it's going to be interesting to see like how he 
he kind of directs that for younger audiences. Also, he's going to have to tone down his more uh, squicky elements from his series. You know, not not as many naked women and tentacle rapey scenes. So, yeah. Huh. But I'm sure there'll still be bears. Is that is that a thing he's known for? There was a bear in Blame, and there was a bear in Knights of Sidonia. Like, there's going to be a talking bear. I, I, that's kind of, that's, 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 that's a, that's a running thing, I guess. I mean, if you're going to have anything, if you're going to have some kind of gimmick, I guess that's as good as any. Um, Sorry, like, (laughs) now, now, like, when you say talking bear, I just, I think of the bear from, um, from Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. Hey, bear. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good gag. That's a good show. Uh, next up, we have uh, something coming up from Yuwatase, of all people, uh, author of series such as Fushi Yugi, uh, Seri's Absolute Boyfriend, and Arata, is going to be running a a two-part story in uh, Shugaku-kun's Jose magazine, Flowers, and uh, will be called uh, Kiri Samurai. Um, the story altogether will be 110 pages, again, split into two chapters, um, that will be out on December and January 28th, respectively. And from what little visual we have to work off of, it it looks pretty. It looks like it could be neat. Yeah, I really enjoyed Ceres. So, and like, I really enjoyed Watase's voice as a creator and like the ideas she puts into her manga. So I'm definitely interested in checking out more of her work. So it's going to be interesting to see, because she tackles so many mature teams in her series already, which are directed at shoujo audiences. It's going to be interesting to see what she's going to do in a Jose series and what kind of themes and ideas she's going to express for older audiences. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, but uh, next up we have manga creator uh, Kenjiro Hata, who is the author of uh, Hayate the Combat Butler, who wrote in the first 2017 issue of Shogaku-kun's uh, Weekly Shonen Sunday magazine that uh, he wants to start a new series next year. And um, there's really no other like information outside of that. He just he just wants to do something new, and that's about it. Um, which I guess makes sense because from what I hear, um, Hayate is on its way out and is on its final arc. So that'll probably end next year, and we'll. I'm assuming we'll probably he'll probably have his new series uh, start serialization probably before the end of this next year, possibly maybe even 2018. I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, I think that's good. Like, uh, it's good that, you know, Hot is ending his series and he's gonna, you know, he wants to start something new. Like, he's impassioned about it. So I think that, you know, that's a good sign. I think that energy, that enthusiasm could lead to him, you know, create something, you know, great, maybe even better than uh, Hayate is. So, yeah. There you go. Okay, so this one's kind of a doozy. Um... So, Sid, uh, who 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 is your favorite Dragon Ball character? Vegeta. Okay. Um. No, that's that's the wrong answer. You're supposed to say Yamcha. <laughs> like 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 cl- like cl- like clearly clearly Yamcha is the best character in all of Dragon Ball, and we know this. I know this. You know this. The whole world knows it. Apparently. 
because <laughs> you, you, you done? <laughs> okay. Well, while while Sid is uh, uh, curbs his enthusiasm, uh, uh, Yamcha of all people is getting a a Dragon Ball spinoff manga that will run for three chapters in uh, in Jump Plus. Uh, literally entitled uh, Dragon Ball Side Story, The Case of Being Reincarnated as Yamcha. So, guys, get a load of this. The series is literally about a high school kid. He gets into an accident, he falls down the stairs, and he reincarnates himself as Yamcha. And and that's that's basically the premise. And it's kind of amazing, and I really hope this gets picked up somehow in english because there's no way i'm not going to read this at some point yeah i read a scan later chapter of it and it is a lot of fun i i kind of wish it was a long for series that had more time because you think so they could yeah i think so because honestly they, they could they could do so much with this premise, and it'd be so interesting to see how this kid with pre-knowledge about how Dragon Ball turns out, you know, changes the story so that Yamansha can get all the breaks and get stronger. Like, from the first chapter, you know, the kid is smart enough, so by the time the Saiyan arc rolls around, he's, you know, got Yamcha strong enough that he can beat, you know, all the Cybermen by himself and not die so you know that was pretty good but like man think about all uh, think about like all the changes that we all the potential we could see Yamacha becoming the hero of the Dragon Ball story like I really do wish this was longer than just a three chapter thing because it really is such a great concept I kind of I kind of wish I kind of wish this would this would run enough this would run long enough for maybe like a volume's worth of material yeah, at the very least. But, you know, I think it's, as much as I, you know, was laughing earlier, I do think it's nice that Yamcha is getting a break, you know? Like, there has been kind of a little bit of a Yamcha resurgence as a life. Somehow, like, this- yeah, isn't that weird? Out of everything that come out of 2016, that's gotta be the weirdest thing. I, I think objectively. <laughs> Because he got that old, you got that like mission in Xenoverse two where Yansha like get becomes the strongest person and you have to fight him, and then you got that episode of Super that came out recently where he saves the day in a baseball game against Universe Six. It's amazing, which was yeah, it's it's great, and yeah, so now you get this Yansha spit off. So Yansha is. Getting some real breaks uh, recently. He's not in the t- team to ch- challenge the uh, other universes in the universe survival are coming up. Unfortunately. Uh, you know, they they thought Mask Roshi, you know, was going to be more useful than him again. But yeah, you know. <laughs> He's, uh, well, I mean, he's still. I, I don't. I don't mind seeing more Roshi. That's not a bad thing. No, I lo- I, I love Roshi. I'm glad that Roshi's going to be kicking some ass in New York. But yeah, the, I mean, the thing that the thing that get... I'm sorry, the, the thing that throws me off is there there uh, is the addition of um, androids 18 and 17 of all people. That's kind of interesting. 
I'm excited for that. Like, I was not expecting them to bring back 17. That's, that's gonna be interesting to see. Also, let's hope, let's hope Boo does something this time, cause that actually- Oh yes, please, cause Boo is, Boo is legit one of my all-time favorite characters from Dragon Ball, so <laughs> I really act, I want him to actually do something this time, cause I, I, Boo, I, Boo is such a great character, like, yeah, let he's, him, he's fine, I like let him. him. Let him show off, come on. He is, he's like, like, he is objectively like the third strongest guy in that team, you know, so he should be able to do stuff. Um, well, okay. Actually, if you, if you carry the two and divide that by 35, multiply that by 35 million, uh, Superman is the strongest character in Dragon Ball Z. Superman? Uh, no, Superman no, no, can't no, who's, even be who's, who's that? I've never read Dr. Slump. I'm talking about Superman. Like, what are you talking about? I'm playing a ca- I'm playing a character. <laughs> Superman isn't a Dragon Ball character. Superman, though, is... I know, uh, I was, I was trying... Was- well, he exists in the Dragon Ball <laughs> I know, I was trying to portray the, like, really obsessive power level geeks. But, appara- <laughs> but apparently the joke went over your head, but that's probably mostly on me. Anyway... We all um, know Aureli is the real strongest character in Dragon Ball anyway. I mean, she can literally crack the earth in half, and so I think literally i i would i really want to see the power level discussions that arise when that ep- when like that episode of super came out with all of that doctor slump crossover and like i'm sure i'm sure some i'm sure most of those most of the people in that um part of the community probably lost their shit <laughs> like this doesn't make sense this is stupid um this this is right i don't know now now i'm just being now i'm just attacking people i don't know okay so um I had something else I wanted to say. You made me forget it. Um, I, I guess I guess I'll just bring it up when it comes back to me because I don't remember. Um, so I guess we could just move on. Um, <clears throat> something else that I'm excited for. So we had reported on the podcast um, a couple weeks back, probably a month ago at this point, probably that um, that Nobuhiro Watsuki, the author of Aroni Kenshin, one of our favorite mangas. Uh, uh, you know, you know, Watsky every once in a while has been coming back to do these like uh, short spinoffs and like side stories and stuff, which I don't think are all that great, depending on which ones we're talking about. But that's just me. Um, but, uh, you know, we had reported that, um, you know, Watsky was launching a um, this this like two part story uh, arc in Kenshin called uh, Ramoni Kenshin, the criminal Ashitaro. Which, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, there, I don't think there was much information on it at the time other than, oh, this looks like a new Kenshin character. And I think, uh, I think actually in our lost episode, uh, Maxi actually had pointed out that, uh, I think this was, uh, this is, this actually comes from an idea for an arc that Watsky wanted to do, but I don't think he, uh, I don't think he could find anywhere to put it in. So this, so that, that'll be interesting, but, but basically, like, the actual news I want to get to is that, um, apparently this, these two chapters were just a prologue to a new arc of Aroni Kenshin, known as the, uh, the Hokkaido arc. So, uh, bi- big twist, this is, a, this is a new storyline for Kenshin, uh, Sid, what do you think? You know, I think as much as Watsky's material since... Kenshinetta has been hit and miss. I am looking forward to this because I think there is still a lot of potential to explore with Kenshin characters 
And as a continuation of the story, as a meekful into the story, it does have a lot of potential. And especially since the promo, it, it showed Shoujiro, it showed a bunch of the supporting cast. I think if it's a story that focuses on the supporting cast of Kenshin and focuses on developing them, I think that could be really interesting. And also, I saw some promo art that showed Ashitaro with uh, Shishio, so I think there's a connection between those characters and Ashitaro is probably going to be like the villain of this New York. So that just makes me even more intrigued as to like uh, the storyline for this new Hokkaido arc. And as we know, the Hokkaido arc is an idea that Waski's had originally had wanted to do in the series way back in the day. But, you know, because the revenge arc went on so long, he decided to just end it uh, before, without doing it. So, you know, it's kind of cool to see Watsuki, you know, dig up this old idea and go for it. And I think, you know, there, there could be a lot of potential here. So I am pretty optimistic and looking forward to seeing what it brings to the table. I'm really interested in the idea of Watsuki drawing a story that, like, takes place in the universe of Kenshin, but, like, but like I like the idea of him focusing on a completely new character, and he just kind mm-hmm. of, he just kind of interacts in the world of Kenshin and has his own things going on. Like, I like, I like that idea. Yeah. But, uh, more importantly, um, it looks like, um... I'm sure by the time, again, by the time this podcast is out, you guys, some of you guys will probably have already read it, but, you know, this is weekly Shonen Jump, um, like this week in particular, when we're putting out the podcast, you know, the actual Shonen Jump is on break, uh, due to holidays, but, you know, this is Shonen Jump will still have a special issue, you know, not only with, uh, with this, uh, with this two chapter, uh, prologue from Watsuki, but also, uh, a, a Yu-Gi-Oh! side story, uh, called Yu-Gi-Oh! Transcend Game, that in particular obviously is supposed to serve as like an in-between uh, for like basically a bridge between the the end of Yu-Gi-Oh! and into uh, the new Yu-Gi-Oh! movie coming out on uh, January 27th of next year, The Dark Side of Dimensions, which I don't care if I have to go through sleet, rain, or snow, I am seeing that movie. Guarantee it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I wish they they added you know, the first set of uh, theaters for that, like, earlier today, and I was looking through it, and there's, you know, they didn't have a lot of New York, like, uh, theaters. They only had one, actually, so it's like, that's strange. Like, they're going to add more, I'm sure, so they're probably still setting up where it's going to play in New York, but I'm kind of hoping they get that figured out soon, because I just want to pre-order my tickets and get my schedule ready for that because yeah i'm definitely going to go see that i'm actually really looking forward to it i mean the original Yu-Gi-Oh characters you know four kids bringing back the original voice actors for yuki and kaiba for this like i'm pretty excited like uh, this is going to be a real nostalgia bomb and it, it looks it looks really good too yeah animation looks insanely good so i i think this is going to be a real treat for Yu-Gi-Oh fans yeah, this is this is going to be good. I can't wait to see it. So I can't wait to read that. But yes, again, also in that same issue, Viz, Viz will be publishing the Ashitaro uh, two chapter prologue as well, which I'm hoping this will lead into them picking up the uh, the rest of the Hokkaido arc, too, because I, I want to see that published in Jump. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they're going to run that, you know, especially since, you know, they're kind of wanting for content right now. 
Yeah, I really hope they pick up a new one or two new series sometime soon. They really need some new stuff. But uh, that that's a whole other discussion for another time. Uh, so I think that's about it for all the new manga news. A lot of new manga to look forward to. Right. There's a lot to look forward to, but there's also some stuff that we're going to have to be without for a while. Uh, first of those things, The Seven Deadly Sins is on hiatus because Nakaba Suzuki had an operation recently. He needed some uh, rest as a result of his hospitalization and surgery. He's not in bad condition. He's perfectly fine, but he needed some rest. So the series is going to be hiatus until issue 7 of 2016 of Weekly Shonen Magazine, which will be out on January 18, 2017. So it won't be gone for too long, but that's, that's, about, a, just, that's about a month yeah, or so. Just about a month uh, break from 7 Deadly Sins here. Uh, but unfortunately, we don't have a return date for the next series that's on hiatus here. World Trigger, which is on hiatus because Daisuke Ashihara, the mangaka, is has a very poor physical condition right now. Uh, the, this hiatus was very sudden and unexpected. There is no return date stepped, but the manga will probably be on hiatus for a while. We don't really have any more news than that, unfortunately. We don't really know what kind of condition Ashihara is in right now, unfortunately. But, you know, there's a lot of support for World Trigger. As we saw, it's one of the highest-selling manga right now. It's oh, There's also a huge fan support. Uh, Annalisa Crispin, who runs the unofficial Asamuch fan club and is the letterer of World Trigger for the Viz Shonen Jump, got fans to assemble a care package of fan art and goodies to send to Ashihara. She got 37, you know, fan-submitted you know, fan art and, you know, gifts for Ashihara to bring over to Japan to give to him. So there's there's a great fan support and love for World Trigger and Daisuke Ashihara. So I'm, I'm you know, support rooting for him. I'm hoping that, you know, his health recovers and he has a good rest and is able to resume World Trigger when he's nice, ready, and healthy. And uh, finally, to end off our slate of news on a more speculative note is... Uh, One Piece editor Suguro Sukita recently has come out and said that the Wano art, I mean the Whole Cake Island arc, is approximately at its halfway point, hmm. and that the Wano arc will begin in 2017. I think that is a pretty reasonable es- approximation and uh, prediction, considering that Whole Cake has been running for about 25-ish chapters, about six months right now. And we know that Oda is really excited for Wano. He really wants to get to Wano. So I totally do expect us to enter Wano next year. And I do see, based on where we're at in Whole Cake right now, that we could take about another six months or so and we'll be done with the arc. So, yeah, I think that's something cool to look forward to to One Piece as it enters its 20th year. Yep, it's it's also One Piece's twentieth anniversary, technically. Um, mm-hmm. So that's cool. I'm, I I know they're going to be doing a lot of stuff for that. Obviously, I'm sure they have a lot of plans coming up. Um, I can't really imagine what else they're going to do. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they have in store for that. I know we, we're getting a getting quite a few color spreads from Oda soon too. We had one, 
And I think uh, at the time of this recording, uh, they just showed off another one at uh, at Jump Festa. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that, actually, it's pretty cool because the the weekly Shonen Jump covers for issues two, three slash two slash three and four slash five. When you put them together, they create one like uh, combined image that's really neat. You know, you know, two three has you know uh, other Shonen Jump characters cosplaying as One Piece characters, and then four five just has the regular Jump lineup as they are. But you know, Luffy is holding up his hands like in the uh, is that you know read out uh twenty you know to celebrate One Piece's twentieth anniversary. And yeah, I that was really cool. Kind of really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I was telling Sid this off mic, but yeah, I think, um, I feel like if they're going to get to Wano next year, that it's probably going to come, it's probably not going to start until about probably next fall or possibly as early as maybe like the end of summer, I would say. All right, so I'm cutting in here real quick to say that, uh, obviously, uh, since we have recorded this episode, more concrete news about the subject at hand has come out of Jump Festa this year, meaning that at the One Piece, uh, stage show this year, uh, while Oda himself was not in attendance, uh, at least not as far as I know, uh, p- part of his message, I think, was that he was in the crowd, but like, he he told everybody not to look for him, so I don't know if that means he was actually there, if that was just a joke, but uh, either way, uh, his message did include some pretty awesome info that this coming year of 2017, uh, as far as the manga goes, uh, we'll, we will be seeing pretty much uh, the continuation of the whole Cake Island arc, along with the Reverie and the Wano arc, so... Um, Apparently, we can look forward to a lot of really awesome things happening in the manga. And so, uh, what this means to me is that uh, uh, something that uh, a concern that I've had about Whole Cake Island uh, since it started in the manga was that uh, was that that it was going to be as long as Dress Rosa or longer. And thankfully, if what Oda is saying is true, then hopefully it sounds like Whole Cake Island probably won't be as long as uh, as I and probably a few other fans thought it was going to be. Um, I mean, I don't know if that's like a popular opinion or theory or whatnot, but uh, I know it's 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 a sentiment that I had seen some people express concern over. But thankfully, that doesn't look like it's going to be the case if he's going to also include the Reverie in there, which I was not expecting that to come up so soon, but hey, why not? And hey, you know, Wano looks like it's on the horizon. So that's all that's also cool as well. Um and truth be told, um I'm not sure if I discuss this on the podcast proper, I forget. But uh with that out of the way, uh I'll cut back to the episode. I'm possibly gonna cut back in here with another update or two when necessary. So uh yeah, enjoy the rest of the episode. You know, speaking of One Piece uh, we just got some breaking news about oh, his rival Naruto. Like, seriously, I just went on Twitter right now and saw this. Uh, apparently, there's going to be a Boruto anime coming in April 2017. Oh. That was faster than I expected. Wow. <laughs> wow. And okay. uh, Kishimoto says, I plan to make it even better than Naruto. So, uh, Whoa. wow. That's a uh, bold, bold claim. So, wow. Uh, yeah, I huh. mean, 
So, Big things for One Piece and Naruto coming in 2017. So, 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 wait. So, Kishimoto's involved with the production then? Apparently, yeah. Huh, that's, that's really interesting because we know that, um, I'm assuming this is going to be an adaptation of the Boruto spinoff running in Jump right now. And, like, it's, it's really weird to hear that considering that Kishimoto has nothing to do with that manga spinoff at all. It's, it's, well, it's, he, he, he wrote the story outline. So. Oh, well, okay, that's true. But I know it's... Okay, yeah, that, that makes that makes sense. All right. Cause I... Kind of supervised by him, so... Yeah. Well, there you go. Breaking news. Um. Yeah. Oh, also, one other news that I completely forgot about. Uh, there's a new Attack on Titan app where you can read the manga and get news and stuff on there. And uh, if you get the app before December 20th and... You create an account out there. You can get three volumes of Attack on Titan free. So, uh, well, this is going to be out after December twentieth. But uh, well, uh, sorry, yeah. sorry guys, sorry. But you know, Attack on Titan app. That's uh, yeah, pretty cool. I, oh, I completely forgot about that too. Like, I actually downloaded the app and I, I kind of went through it a little bit, and um, I was kind of hoping that this would be kind of like the Naruto app, where maybe they. Um, where maybe they would have like a free chapter or something like every day, but they they well, have like Attack on Titan doesn't have enough chapters for that. I don't think. Well, I was, we'll see. No, well, I was I was gonna say like I was hoping because I was under the impression that like you could read all of Attack on Titan on there for free, but like basically it's 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 like a centralized app for Attack on Titan where you can like basically buy volumes of really anything Attack on Titan related, you know, outside of the original series. So you know. Obviously, stuff like Attack on Titan Junior High, you know, Sid's favorite manga, uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, Beyond the Wall and all that kind of stuff. I think even the Attack on Titan uh, anthology uh, is up on there, too. That's that's something I really do want to get to, because that actually, as much as as much as I'm not, like, a super fan of Attack on Titan, that's still, that's that's like a cool mix of, like, East and West there that I really want to see. Yeah. But yeah, just, just to clarify, you do... You do have to buy like volumes of Attack on Titan on there. Like there, there's, there's only like so. There's only like maybe three of the latest whatever three chapters are out, and that's about it. Like there are some free previews, but that's about it. But you know, it's it's, it's still a, it's still a cool thing for fans of Attack on Titan, though. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll download it after we're done recording the show, so I can get those free three volumes for sure. Well, there you go. And uh, now we are officially done with the news yes and now we can move on to to our uh, to our best ofs so uh starting off our best news story of 2016 oh i i have i have mine easy all right uh so <laughs> i don't i don't know how obvious this is gonna be but i feel like this is so what i think is the best news story this entire year that we've done this podcast at least is uh is probably Yusei Matsui coming to New York Comic Con. Oh, that's mine as well. Like- oh, well, damn it. <laughs> well, I just saved us some time. Um, I think it's it's my favorite because Yusei Matsui, like I've said on the podcast before, is one of my favorite manga authors of all time. I will literally read anything the guy draws. Like, you know, I love Nero. I really like Assassination Classroom. And, like, even some of his one-shots are pretty good, too. But... You know, like, I also put it on there because I, uh, one of my favorite moments from the podcast this year is still me, uh, still, yeah. still you giving me the news, like, <laughs> fresh, 
because I I don't know if people remember, but like when Sid reported on that, like that was my first time hearing about that. I got a pretty good reaction out of that. It was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's one huge factor in why I uh, put it on as my choice too. But also just the fact that I was able to go to New York Comic Con, I was able to attend the Yusei Matsui panel, I was able to meet Yusei Matsui and get something signed from him. Those were great experiences. So yeah, this this was my favorite news story by far because it had like definitely the most impact on me and like created some really great experiences for me. Actually, um, if I could pick like maybe one runner up real quick, I think honestly, and I, 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 I remembered what I wanted to say about the Yamcha spinoff earlier, um, because honestly, the Yamcha spinoff is probably my second favorite news story of this entire year. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, what I was going to say earlier was that, um, you know, we also reported earlier in the year that Shueisha had developed their own, their own specific department for Dragon Ball. And this is probably... And that's probably where this idea came from. So if we get more stuff like this, I am all for the Dragon Ball room. And so I think because of I think because of this spinoff, I think the Dragon Ball room is also in a sense kind of become my favorite news story of this year, just because, you know, and I I think I remember we were kind of like, well, maybe I was maybe it was just me. I don't know about you, but I was sort of just kind of like, yeah, this exists. We'll just wait and see what happens. And it, it looks like we're we're seeing what happened you know because of because we got a got a whole room for people to come in and think about dragon ball stuff what's the first thing they come up with more yamcha stuff that's what everybody wants <laughs> but you know honestly that's what i want and you know that's all that matters honestly at the end of the yeah, day I mean, at the end of the day it only matters what i want yeah dragon ball room <laughs> is another it's another great choice because we had a really good discussion on that and it is i do think it's gonna you know just improve things for the franchise by giving it a centralized direction of where to go and what to do with it. So that's another great one. Uh, off the top of my head, if I were to choose another new story, I, I don't know. I, I guess I will have to say Animal Land just for the satis- <laughs> satisfaction of finally getting another freaking volume after two years. But there, there are a lot of great new stories we covered this year, but I think for both of us, Yusei Matsui coming to New York Comic Con was far and away like one of the most, one of the biggest highlights discussing news on the show we had. Yeah, I think, yeah, we can both agree on that. Um, so uh, I think our next category is best new North American license. And I'm just going to get out of the way. Rock, Rock Go easily is like the best license already this year. Second to, uh, what was it? Welcome to the Ballroom. I think that's the localized title for that. Whatever that new um, ballroom dancing manga is called. I was super excited for that because I had seen people post panels and pages from that. And it it always looks so good. And I, I really want to read it at some point. But I think those are probably out of the ones I can remember. Those are the two new licenses from this year that really stick out in my mind. I chose stuff that was released in uh, 2016. So for me, I think I have to be completely honest and say, like far and away, my favorite new license of the year was Prince's Jellyfish because that's been one of my favorite manga for years and to see it get released over here and to see it be as successful a a hit as it is like was just so satisfying and just like really gratifying like 
I'm really, really happy that Princess Jellyfish is doing so well because it's such a great series with such great exploration about identity, about gender and relationships. It's just so much to talk about with that series. I think Yuki Yukashimaru is such a talented, awesome artist. And I'm really happy that series is doing so well because I love it so much. But to mention another few manga that, you know, I haven't personally read, but I'm really glad have been released over here and are doing well, are a Black Museum, Ghost and the Lady, by Kazuhiro Fujita. is really great release by Kodansha. I got the hardcover. I haven't been able to read much of it yet, but, you know, it's so great to have some work by Fujita finally come out over in the West, because he's been such an underrated author over here. But I'm so glad that Ushiro and Hora has boosted his popularity, and because he is a great mangaka, and his Art in Ghost and Lady is really superb in particular. I'm hoping that we get some more stuff from him out over here. Yeah, how much do you want to bet that Ushio and Tora is going to get licensed next year, or at least sometime soon? I mean, I, I'm i hoping. I mean, it's a Shogaku Gun title, so only Viz could ever, you know, publish it. But I'm hoping they'll take a chance on it. Yeah, I, I hope so too. Uh, Queen Emeraldus is another, you know, great release because Leiji Matsumoto, and again, a great mangaka, like one of the greats. And to see more classics from him get put out over here is really great. I haven't been able to pick up a copy of Queen Emeraldus yet, but, you know, I, I really enjoy all of Leiji Matsumoto's stuff that I've seen, so I definitely plan to get around to it. And of course, finally, Kitaro, that, that, Kataro books continue to be so successful is really great because I, you know, it's one of the classic manga franchises in Japan. Shigeru Mizuki is, you know, one of the great manga artists. He is a legend, really. And, you know, it's great to see that Kataro is being recognized for the ti- a great title it is. And Shigeru Mizuki is in turn being recognized for the great mangaka he is. So, yeah, yeah. you know, some, some great prestige titles from great mangaka have been put out over here in 2016. I'm really happy about that. Uh, just to mention another one, I'm glad that BNP relicensed the crater and is finally putting that out uh, for people who were you know, burned by the old Kickstarter. So that's another good thing that's come out of 2016, another good release. So mm-hmm. very happy about that. Uh, so I think those are some pretty good releases, though, or licenses, I I should say. Mm-hmm. So I think we should move on to our best character of 2016. Ooh, this was this was really tough for me. Um, Sid, why don't you give your picks first? So I decided for best character and best villain to have a male pick and a female pick because I couldn't just choose... Just one. So for my best male character of 2016, I decided that, you know, they said this would be the year of this character. And really, they really paid it off. And yeah, so the year of Sanji. Sanji is my favorite male character of the year. Like, he has had more development in the series this year than he's had in the past 10 years. And it's done so much to make me remember why I love this guy for. And like, it's really taken his character to new heights. I feel an investment with him that I haven't felt in so, so long. That's totally fair. (laughs) I think that he's, it's really boosted and developed him as a character in just great ways. And I think that learning about more of his past, his relationship with his family, I think that 
seeing his relationship with Zeph be brought up again and challenged, seeing, you know, him develop a relationship with Pudding, too. I think these are all great developments for his character. And I think that one of the most powerful chapters of manga this year was the moment where he fought against Luffy and, like, tried to stop Luffy from going after him. And obviously Luffy is so, is kind of wise to this old trick by this point, because, you know, he, this has happened to him twice. He's like, he doesn't, you know, put up with this bullshit at all. And he's like, you know what, Sanji? I'm not going to leave. I'm going to just stay right here until you come back. And Sanji's just like crying as he's hearing this. Like he, he's just trying to do what he, he, what he thinks is best to protect his friends. And, you know, I'm really feeling for Sanji this year. And I think he's just had a great year. He's really stood out in a way that he just hasn't been in just so long and i think that's just really really great honestly uh sanji isn't one of my picks but um i think that's also because i on on the whole cake island arc overall so far i've liked it but other than like a few moments here and there it hasn't really like i i haven't been like super excited for it for most of its run but i but i still enjoy reading it um, but I think you, you make a. I think you make a lot of good, uh, a lot of good arguments for why Sanji really does deserve to, uh, that moniker of best character this year. But uh, were, were there any others? Oh yeah, you, you said you had a female yeah. one. So my favorite female character of the year was also far and away Erina Nakiri from Fair Food Wars. Okay. Now Erina's character arc has been slowly developing throughout the entirety of the series. Like her walls have been breaking down. She's slowly becoming more friendly and like more open towards people. Like she had huge development with her friendships with Tadakoro and rekindling her friendship with Harado after rejecting her after she lost in, you know, the uh, fall classic, you know, and the later parts of last year, she was starting to become more friendly with Soma and they were like hanging out a little bit more and she was kind of helping him through the, his like, uh, competition against Kuga. And then that all culminated, of course, with the return, with the appearance of Azami, her father and him taking over the Institute. And that, you know, really pushed, has, you know, pushed her character to its next, you know, great direction. Like, she's got, she's really changed as a character, like, in really significant ways. Like, her attitude on cooking, her attitude on what's valuable about cooking and what she should try cooking and, and what she wants to get out of cooking and get out of the people who taste her food. And, like, seeing her step up as a leader for the resistance against the zombie and the, and as to protect the Polaris dorm and her friends. Basically, she's des- described as the Jean d'Arc of hooking. She's like the leader of the resistance movement. She is like everyone's hero now. And she's has made so many great connections and friends that she treasures. And like, she, there are people who treasure her. Like, I, it's really great to see Ariana develop into this role and, basically, you know, really kind of own her role as the deuteragonist of the series. And she really does have the most personally on the line in the current, like, arc of Food Wars, really. And, you know, seeing her kind of try, in recent chapters, you know, try and swallow her pride and kind of beg for Azami to, you know, not expel her friends, thinking that it's, like, the only option. And, like, it's just... Great heartbreaking moments from Ariana. 
right there. And, like, it's just another one of the great moments she's had, like, this entire year. And I'm really excited to see, like, the direction her character takes as the story goes forward. Because I think the direction that needs to happen is that she, you know, now that she's finally standing up against her father, I think she ultimately needs to be the one to take him down, not so Minachiro Uchiro. I think I really want to see her fight... Uh, um, go up and show against the against Azami and take him down. I think that is going to be really satisfying to see if that happens. But even even if that doesn't happen, I think I just really want to see Arina's development as a character continue to grow and like this new self confidence in herself and her own cooking like continue as well. Like she is definitely one of she I've always like really liked her and enjoyed her development but like it's really reached a climax in this year and like gone to really great places that's definitely won her over is probably my favorite character in Food Wars because of how great her character arc has been developed huh well as as someone who has not read Food Wars yet I like you know i'm 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 about caught up to where the anime is at this point and so far i'm sure that you know this is something i'll have to see for myself you know experience for myself but personally at this point where i'm at i still i still don't care for her as a character she still gets on my nerves so much it's not, it, i mean it's going to be hard i don't know how you can humanly not sympathize with her after seeing why she is the way she is Okay, well, here, actually, tell tell me this, because I've always been curious about this, because I, I think it was hinted at at some point that, like, Arena has some kind of small connection or relationship to Selma's father at some point. Yeah. D- does that go anywhere at all? Oh, so yeah, far? it does. It's important. Okay, good, because I've always been interested in seeing where that goes, so, okay. But uh, is that about it for your picks, Sid? Yeah. Okay, well, mine will be significantly pretty short because, like, I it really I like I really had a hard time like thinking back on uh, thinking back over the year in terms of like anything I'm currently reading because, like, you know, th- the problem with me is like I definitely have moments that I really enjoy, but I can't really think of a I can't think of a character that like that has like consistently like impressed me throughout the year. I don't know if, like, maybe, I don't know if I'm just jaded, or I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I can't think of a character that I've, like, been consistently impressed with throughout the year, and I've been, like, really, um, that I've really, like, stuck to, I guess. But, you know, like, like, again, the problem with me is, like, I have a better time, I have an easier time thinking of moments than I do of, like, characters in general, so, um... I kind of have two picks too. Um, And I'm just going to warn you guys ahead of time. Some of these answers are kind of, I might kind of bleed in with each other. So I apologize if my, my answers aren't very um, uh, varied at all. But I think, I think a character that like when I, when I try to think of a particular character, I think a character that really stood out to me this year was probably all Might from my hero academia. That's another really great choice. Yeah. I mean, he, um, he unfortunately, I don't think, I don't think he's done as much since, since his big fight with, um... No, and on the contrary, his development has just continued since the fight. He might not be doing any battles anymore, but his character development, like, his interactions with All for One when he went to visit him in the prison, like, his role, his, as a mentor with Midoriya, how that's been continuing, now that All Might doesn't have 
power anymore. That's been really interesting. Like, All Might's character has continued to be relevant and grow in incredible ways. I'm also going to warn you guys ahead of time that my memory is complete shit, so I could not, I could easily <laughs> forget about stuff. So thank you for reminding me, Sid. Uh, yeah, All, All Might's had a lot of great, a uh, lot of great moments, especially from his fight with, uh, with All for One. That uh, a lot of the, a lot of the climax of that fight had me tearing up, quite honestly. Um, a lot of really great stuff. And, uh, it, it, it has been interesting to see how, like, how the world of My Hero Academia has sort of, you know, has, has reacted to, you know, losing their symbol of power at some, at some point and like how, how that really affects the world and the people that live in it. So I can't wait to see like what else comes from that. Cause obviously, cause obviously at some, I, I think, I mean, the world has changed significantly. That's fair to say, but I think, I think there's still more change to come. I still think bigger stuff is still on the on the horizon, and I'm very excited for that. Mm-hmm. I can't say that like I have any female picks because like even even like uh, surprisingly enough, even like uh, even as far as like Intama's concerned, because uh, personally, I think Intama has probably some of the best written female characters I've seen in at least in shonen manga overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but like a lot of the female characters in Gintama haven't really like, I mean, I mean, if you, if you read Gintama, you know that like, you know, they haven't gotten like a ton of focus, uh, but you know, that's fine. They've, they've been doing stuff here and there, but like none of them have really like stood out to me as much. I don't think, I mean, I guess maybe other than Kagura. Kagura had some great stuff going for her this yeah. year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if I had to pick a female character this year, Kagura honestly just, with with flying colors, she really passes this year, honestly. Um, really, yeah, yeah. But again, uh, again, I'm sorry. It's really hard for me to pick a favorite character. Again, uh, like I said, I I do better with picking moments, which we'll get to in a second. But let's just um, let's move on to best villain and and sit on the count of three. I think we both pick the same person. Maybe I'm gonna make a very bold statement and say that. But I think on the count of three, I want us to say who we think the best villain in a currently running manga this year was. You ready? Okay. Okay. One, two, three. Sato. Naklavar. You know what? I have I have to give it to you. He he did some pretty awesome shit this year. I think his development as a villain was, was pretty great. <laughs> you don't even know who Askin Naklavar is. No, I no I sure don't. No, but no, Sato is re- no, the obviously it's Sato. Okay. I was going to ask you if you made that name up, and I was really afraid you'd be like, no, he's a character from uh, Seven Deadly Sins. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, I should put some Seven Deadly Sins on him. Never mind. No, but uh, no, really, Sato, Sato, it, 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 he's far on the way, like, best villain. Like, come on, he's the most, we talked about him so much, I don't know if we really need to restate our points but you can listen to uh, our Ajin discussion for all our talk at Sato. But he's such an intriguing, like, unsettling character, but he's also freaking badass. And, like, uh, some of the things he does in Ajin are just so great. And you gotta love his one-man rampage in, like, the police headquarters where he just slaughters everyone like but and it's pretty good and you know i gotta love the moment where you know he's going after his target like this businessman guy and you know the businessman's guy's like hiding in this like secret room taunting sato and sato like figures out <laughs> where he is by listening to the walls and so he like 
cuts his arm and whatever, like, puts it in, like, between the walls and, like, then he, like, manages to get into the secret room that's in between the walls where this guy's hiding out and then he's able to slaughter him out. It's, like, some awesome horror villain, like, horror movie kind of thing and it's just so freaking great. I, I absolutely love Sato. He's such a great villain. He's such a cool character. Yeah, Sato as a villain, he's he's great, honestly. Like he's he's the right amount of intimidating and fun. Yeah, we 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 talked about him at length. If you want to listen to our Aji discussion for more, listen to episode twenty one, I believe. Um so yeah, I I really can't think of another villain in manga this year that have that's really like impressed me this much. Honestly, I do have another one myself, and that's Is it is it I, I don't know who it is. I bet, but who is it? It's Mom from Promise Neverland. Oh, okay. I thought you were gonna say Acacia. No, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay out two things that I probably should have done before. First, uh, with my picks, I only chose series that are legally available. So there's no Gintama choices. There's no uh, Bride Story. There's no Billy Bat. There's no no series like that that aren't like being uh, simul published on my yeah, as, as as you as you guys can tell i i have no qualms with bringing up the series i read scanlated so and then another you know. thing is i also limited my choices to one per series across the board so uh with my choices like i'm only representing a series once on this list so because if if I'm going to be completely honest, if I were not to do that, most of my picks would be from the same series. And uh, I think you'll I think you'll know what that is if uh, you listen to our recent manga fight. But um, yeah, so <laughs> but mom from Promise Everland to get back on track and back on subject like she has really impressed me as a villain. Like she is a, she is like really has great presence and in feeling really in control, feeling really oppressive, like a real threat to Norman, Emma, and Ray. Uh, she seems to have all the answers and holding all the cards. She always seems to know something. And you can never quite be sure, like, what she's thinking, what she's up to. She's playing a great chess game with her kids. And it's it's really, really creepy. And it's really cool. Like, you want to know more about her as a character. Like, what she's in this for. What she's trying to do. You also want to know what she'll do next to outwit the kids and keep them on their toes. Like, she's a great villain. She's a really intriguing character, and I, I can't wait to kind of see more from her as the escape plans get underway, especially now that Crone is proposing an alliance with the kids to work against her. Yeah, it's like, I, I, I completely agree that Mom has a very intimidating presence, and she obviously, she's always at least like, um, you know, she, she's just an intimidating figure, but... But I feel like, I feel like I, I didn't really consider her just because, like, up until this point so far, she's just, I mean, she is a threat, but, like, she hasn't, to, to me, she hasn't really done enough for me to consider her one of my favorite villains this year, but that doesn't mean I, I don't like her. I think she's done just enough, like, to keep the main characters on their toes, and she's an effective villain in terms of her presence and in terms of, like, 
how in terms in terms of like uh, how much of a threat she is in the story to the protagonist like she feels like a big deal you you are as worried and intimidated about her, her as the kids are and you also kind of want to know more about her at least i do i'm really interested in mom oh, as no, a I, I do too and wanting to know like more about like her role in the orphanage why she what she's really up to her background so, and i think that we've gotten just enough hints and just enough pieces of information to flesh her out a little more just enough to uh, to like keep her present always feel omnipresent always oppressive always feel dangerous that she still sticks in the mind every week as this threat as this force as this really great villain antagonistic character that you know to to me is one of the most memorable in any manga this year i i completely agree with all that i'm just saying me personally i'm i guess i probably i probably would have picked her for one of my favorite villains this year if if we if we somehow had gotten some sort of payoff to some of uh promise neverland at this point which i mean i'm not i'm not expecting it to i'm i'm not expecting to get to the fireworks factory or anything but you know i'm just i'm just saying i like basically the conflict hasn't really gotten the chance to like come to a real like payoff so far which is the only reason why i was so reluctant to um mention her but i i do agree with everything you said though like she's still a great villain in that she's a very oppressive force and it's she's again she's legitimately like intimidating Mm -hmm. but yeah i think that does it for our favorite villains of the year so let's move on to best fight all right um here what what are what are your what are your favorite fights this year well i think that a fight that I really enjoyed, you know, the more I think about it, was the Black Bulls versus Veto in Black Clover. Oh, now, okay. this is a really great team fight, I felt, that had really great build-up, really great payoff, and I, I really appreciate it because of how much every character in it got involved on the good guy side, because we got some great stuff from Vanessa and Finn Rolf, who, you know, for the first time really showed off the characters and got great development in the fight that really fleshed them out and made them... You know, they they really did wonders to, like, make them feel like, you know, some of the best characters in the series and characters, like, I really want to learn more about and get invested in. And I think, you know, that is great. Noelle got some really great development in that fight, you know, in refining her water magic. Uh, there were some really cool moments from Austin in there where he was really pushed to his limits. And, you know, the, of course, the crowning moment was like, Veto's whole thing is that he represents despair. He's all about despair, and he's all about causing despair to his opponents. And he is cool and vicious. Like, he cripples this one kid who, who you know, uh, they befriend, whose dream was to be this great dancer. So he cripples him, and then he, like, takes the voice from this other girl that they befriended who wants to be a singer. Like, he is really cool, and uh, he wants to cause pain and suffering and as much despair in people as possible. And one of the great moments in the fight is the climax, where, you know, he's really done a number on Asta. He's broken his arms, 
basically. And he's just, like, really, like, beating the crap out of him. And he's like, despair, despair, despair. And Asta is, like, said, I'm not done yet. And so he, like, kind of bounces back. And then Veto, like, he's like, holy crap, what's with this kid? Why isn't he falling into despair? Why isn't he afraid? And, you know, this is a good moment, uh, foreshadowing because, uh, Asta here, Kind of, we see him get developed in this kind of demonic aura because there's plenty of hints in the series that Asta is uh, the reincarnation of the demon king who was, you know, uh, sealed away by a former wizard king a long time ago, and that's that's a whole thing. But like, it's a really cool moment. Like, you know, he sees Asta like charging forward at him, and this kid is like a force of destruction, like the devil himself. And Veto is like, oh crap! And then you know, Asta turns like his own phrase back at him. He's like, despair! And Reto is like, screaming as Austin like, swings his sword at him and like, like, takes him out. And it's really great shonen moment that I really, really sticks in my mind. I really has stuck with me. And of course, you know, the cleanup with Yami, you know, coming in and delivering the final road, you know, the protect his men results to really satisfying, as is, you know, the the payoff of the fight in, like, the aftermath, where, you know, Asta visits, you know, Veto's grave, and, you know, he talks with Yami. You know, this guy, he's wondering why he was so obsessed with despair and, you know, wonders if really Veto internally was the one who was really despairing inside all along because of things that have happened to him and that have informed the reasons why he was doing what he does and why he's a member of the Midnight Sun. So there was really a lot going on in that fight that really delivered some great character development for a lot of great characters. It was a really great team fight that involved so many great characters. It had this really great, a very classic and awesome shonen climax and it also, you know, had a really bittersweet and, you know, thoughtful aftermath that I really appreciated. So I think that this fight, honestly, you know, there were a lot of great fights, but, you know, to pick one that I feel is a little more overlooked, but I think was really well done and excellent, Black Bulls versus Weto, I think, was a really great fight from this year. And I think it's like an example of Black Clover at its finest and something I'm hoping to see the series, you know, you know, replicate and do even better, you know, in the future, because I definitely think it has the potential too. Hmm. All right. Um, so yeah, best fight for me was kind of hard too, because, uh, my criteria for best fight was essentially something that I thought was exciting, but also had like emotional weight to it or, you know, either, or they could be separate from each other. Um, I, I like I was thinking just now and like I'm going to kind of name off a few runner ups before I get to like probably my favorite one. But I think uh, as much as I was kind of down on the final arc of Toriko overall, my my favorite parts were legitimately when the eight kings are facing off against um, Akasia and Neo. Yeah, see, that would have been my true number one. But again, limiting myself to one for this entire list. But yeah. Yeah, th- thankfully, I have no qualms about that. Uh, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, if I limited myself, because I, I look at my list and I'm like, man, I don't read a lot of stuff weekly anymore. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that would have made things kind of hard. But anyway, yeah, like, so, like, <laughs> like, I think my favorite moment from that entire fight, it like, 
probably out of that entire arc, honestly, if I really, if that actually might be kind of bold, a bold statement, but whatever. Definitely my favorite part of, of that fight in particular was when I think Neo at some point gets eaten by the giant snake. Yeah. And, and you know, like, the giant snake obviously is losing that battle because Neo is, like, sucking up all of all of its uh, digestive fluids and it's, like, literally, like, the snake becomes uh, shriveled up at some point and and it's like okay i'm gonna get into this whale's stomach okay and then the whale's like okay i got you bro i'm gonna i'm gonna jump out of the water and let this dragon shoot a beam through me i thought that was probably legitimately one of the craziest things i had seen in manga all year honestly and it was it was pretty amazing though i don't if I remember correctly, that didn't, uh, they didn't succeed at that, but, you no. know, <laughs> it still would have been amazing. It, it was still pretty amazing. So. Yeah, that's, yeah. that in, the entire fight is just so crazy. Some of the craziest things that I've ever seen in manga, to be perfectly honest. It's just absolutely glorious. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um, but I think, like, another runner up for me would be the, uh, the, the 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 slaughtering of the entire security building by Sato, um, mm-hmm. specifically specifically during a lot of the gunfights, because the, the gunfights near the end of that battle are so exciting. It it literally does feel like something out of a video game. Like I I, I love that entire portion of that arc in general. The the, the gunfights I should say the gunfights are just. I don't really have anything to say other than they were just fun and cool. Like, those were legitimately exciting to read. Um, but I think my favorite fight out of anything this year has to be um, the Yorozuya versus Kamui. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, and I remember a lot of people had their qualms about Rakyo as a whole. Really didn't help that it went. It's literally twice as long as, like, the longest arc in Gintama, which is actually probably uh Farewell Shinsugumi it's like 27 yeah. chapters. Rakio literally went on for like 44 chapters. It's yeah. pretty long. Um so I think at that point some people probably had some arc fatigue which if you have arc fatigue by the end of that try reading Dress Rosa weekly. <laughs> oh my god. That's yeah. Dress Rosa is like twice as long as that. So yeah. That's a whole other thing. Uh but you know, so I, I had very mixed feelings on Rakyo overall when I was reading it weekly. And, you know, I remember a lot of people were pretty upset how, like, you know, Congress tried to fight her brother. And then they, you know, their panties get into a knot when Gin comes in and everybody's all like, oh, but Gin's coming in and being the shonen protagonist and taking all the fights away from people. And it's like, no, that's not what's happening. Like... Like, the, the whole reason this arc started was because Kagura went off on her own to try to deal with her family problems, and literally her other family, Gintoki, Shinpachi, and Sadaharu, like, what, what did, like, what did everybody think was gonna happen? They're, like, I mean, yeah, to an extent, sure, maybe there could have been a, like, you know, Gin has let Kagura fight her own battles a lot of the time, which, you know, I think is also a good thing when he does that with, with his friends, because um, I think that's something that doesn't happen in shonen manga is that, like, it's very rare that we get to see side characters, you know, win a fight. Usually mm-hmm. the side characters will get to do their thing, get to do some damage, and then the then the main character will get to steal the show. That's something that I'm kind of tired of in, say, in One Piece at this point. Um, just yeah. because, to me, I feel like it's a little repetitive, but 
Again, that's a whole other thing. But, you know, like, I remember people arguing about that. And I'm like, you know, again, like, what you think was going to happen? Yeah, of course. Like, Kamui is super strong. Like, you're going to need at least a little bit of Gin's help. And plus, I felt that, like, that really led to some, like, re- really good eye-opening moments for Kamui as a character. Um, mm-hmm. You know, f- essentially fighting against somebody that he has at least enough in common with. Because, you know, Kamui and Gin, at some point... Uh, you know, both had a very empty life, but, you know, Gin actually found something to live for, whereas Kamui basically is just putting up a front and just, you know, wants to be the strongest, but at the end of the day, that that dream is super empty. Like, there's nothing to it. He's just he's just trying to find something to fill the hole in himself because he's trying to separate himself away from his family. But anyway, like, the, the whole fight overall, not only I thought was really visceral, really exciting, but also served as a lot of really great payoff for a lot of uh for a lot of uh Shinpachi and uh, Kagura's character arcs. Um I especially loved a lot of the callbacks to Yoshiwara, which is where um which is the biggest point in the series where Shinpachi and Kagura, Shinpachi especially realize that, you know, that they they need to get stronger at some point if they want to be able to help Gin in all these fights. And mm. I feel like uh, this arc is also a great payoff to that part of the character arcs. And, you know, a great thing about this arc, too, is or this fight, was that, you know, of course, there's significance to Shinpachi and Gin helping, you know, hel- helping Kagura fight. That was something that had to happen. But Kagura still landed the final blow. At the end of the day, she still got to finish her fight. But, you know, there was no way she was not going to need help with that. But yeah, like honestly, I there's really no fight that I've read in manga this year that I was more emotionally invested in than that fight. Easily. Yeah, that was a that's another really great fight. And I, I love how so many characters got involved and how many so many characters got out of it. There's great moments from not just Kagura and Stimpati, as you mentioned, but also Umi Bozu yes. and Abuto. Like, so all the characters involved in that fight really got so much out of it, so much great development. I thought it was just really satisfying. And, like, I think that the direction it took, you know, how many characters got in on the action, you know, it all felt appropriate. It all felt like right, and I think that the ending was absolutely brilliant as well. I mean, I, I definitely think it's probably, maybe it's the best. I I don't know if I want to say it's the best fighting in Tama so far, but it's definitely up there. And and as far as this year goes, and as far as this year goes, you know, it is definitely up there as one of the best fights in manga as well. But uh, we should probably move on to our next thing. Yes, our favorite currently winning series of this year. Is it... Okay, mine's Gintama. I'm sorry, guys. Like, <laughs> I'm okay, if it makes anybody feel any better, yes, I'm saying Gintama for now, but I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll cheat next year and say Gintama as well when we do this again, but <laughs> at the very least, there's gonna be a point where I, where I can't say Gintama, because Gintama's gonna end next year anyway, but... Honestly, like, again, like I said, like, uh, like I said earlier, like, you know, I still really, I've been liking One Piece so far, you know, this year, but like, again, it, I just, like, I feel, I feel terrible because there is a lot of good stuff in, in this past year of One Piece, but like, it hasn't really, it just hasn't really clicked with me for some reason. And I, and I really can't say why. And I think it's just because overall, I kind of, 
how I it's it's probably has to do with how I feel about the time skip overall, where like it just kind of feels like the characters are a little stagnant at this point, and it feels like we're just kind of trying to get through the story, which I will say the whole Cake Island arc has been a lot better about that because, you know, we've we've gotten some actual drama within the crew and that I think personally that makes things a little more interesting for me in particular because again, I I'm a lot more into character driven type stories, so Yeah, see, I think that that's a problem I've been having with One Piece for a few years, but I think this year was actually a huge step in the right direction in terms of moving One Piece forward. Because not only did we get some huge lore building earlier in the year in Zoe, like, what the Whole Cake Island arc has done for Sanji has been so welcome and needed for a character who has been stagnant for practically a decade and heck even the stuff we've gotten for with nami brooke and chopper in the arc has done more for them than they've had since easily uh controller bark so i think especially so, brooke yeah especially brooke who is honestly been such a neglected character because you know he you know, the Cole Straw Hat separation happened right after he joined the crew. Yeah. And he really hasn't had a chance to get further development since then. So this arc has done a lot for him as well in terms of giving him some great moments, especially recently. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think honestly this arc is a this year was a huge step forward in the right direction for One Piece. And I really, really appreciate it as a result. But I, I do just want to say real quick that just going back to Gintama real quickly, I, I do want to say that as, you know, I kind of had my issues with the Rock Hill arc, um, you know, reading it weekly. I'm sure I'd probably feel a lot differently about it if I actually, like, read all through of it, you know, once in a row. But I still feel like there have been so many amazing moments to come out of that arc this year that, I, that I've that i talked about in other podcasts before, so I, I won't go over them, but, like... Like, you know, even with the issues I've had with that arc, um, the, the, like, the final arc that's been running, especially, like, honestly, like, Gintama, out of anything I've been reading weekly this year, has, like, I'm just I'm just kind of going by what's impressed me and what's really, like, excited me the most. And, like, really no other manga has done that other, other than Ajin. I mean, technically, we, we kind of read through a lot of backlog for that, but... Um, but you know, uh, Ajin, I think this year would probably be my runner up. Um, uh, but what about you, Sid? I'm gonna give my favorite series of the year to Attack on Titan, actually. Whoa, really? I okay. thought it, yeah, I actually thought this was a really great year for Attack on Titan. Like, there was a great final climax between Eren and the Colossal Titan and Armor Titan, uh, you know, er uh, Berthold and Reiner, which ended in like this really, like, dark and like a powerful way where they had to weigh the lives of two of their closest friends Armin and uh, Erwin on the line they had to choose like who which one they were gonna basically let live and which was a really like cool and tough choice but that they handled like just so well and like in such a tactful manner that I, I was really impressed by like that they would go there, that they wouldn't, like, cheat out and, like, have both of them survive. They had to make the choice, and they also had to sacrifice uh, Berthold and Rainer to do it, too, to save the lives of their friends. So that was really, like, a powerful moment 
there. And also, not only that, in the aftermath, we finally learned what was in the basement. And we got some huge bombs about the secret of the Titans. Like, what they really are. What the nature behind the walls and the world of Attack on Titan really is. And we've got some great world building and some backstory and lore in the last couple chapters that have been absolutely fascinating. Like, this has been the strongest year of Attack on Titan in a long time. And this has just been a genuinely great year for the series that has really bolstered it up to another level, I feel. I, I really thoroughly enjoyed Attack on Titan this year. It really impressed me, like, with every chapter that came out. And I'm, I'm really excited to see where the story goes from this point. Oh, well, there you go. I'm, I I really hope some of that gets covered in the anime, just because I, I'm, I'm just kind of waiting for the second season at this point. If not in this next season, then in the eventual third season, hmm. which would probably be the final season. Yeah. I mean, the series is definitely heading towards an endgame at this point, like with all the big bombshells. Well, do you you think it'll end this next year? I mean, the guy, the part of me that likes series, that likes things ending with round numbers would, would, like, think that would be great if it ended with chapter 100, which would come right at the tail end of next year. Uh, But, um, I don't know. I, I... it's hard to judge that because it feels honestly that as close as we are to the end game, there's still more story left than a year is going to take to cover okay. it. I, I think honestly, there's two three years left in the series, so hard to say. All right, um, is that about it then? Yeah, I don't, I'm just I'm just satisfied seeing a Titan Titan for you know best currently running series for me. But um, you know there was obviously there were a lot of other great picks. I could go on and on, and I I might do that at some point. I might write something, but never but never mind. Let's uh let's move on to our next. Well, here actually, mm-hmm. while we're on the subject, I want to go to Twitter real quick. Um, because oh, I because yeah. I also I asked on Twitter through Manga Mavericks at Manga underscore Mavericks. You really should be following us, guys. If you want to tweet something at us and uh, get a chance to be mentioned on the show like these guys are here. So I, I put out the call on our Manga Mavericks Twitter uh, and uh, and asked everybody following us, hey, you know, what was the best manga you read during 2016, currently running or otherwise? Decided to leave it open a bit. And um, our first response was from your brother, uh, Lord GTZ, who said Detective Conan. Yeah, he's been loving Conan this year and how the rum arc has been developing. And yeah, basically from what I've heard and what I have, you know, seen when I've checked in on the series time to time, like, it's been a really good year for Conan. Like, there's been really great developments happening. So it's been exciting. There you go. Um, Allison just responded, this is a hard question. (laughs) Thank you, Allison. I I enjoy that manga too. Um, And then uh, we have another response from Niatsuma who uh, picked a couple of series um, amongst them are uh, Mob Psycho 100, My Hero Academia, and Gintama. Good choices. And uh, our last uh, response is from uh, Yubei underscore it, who uh, has a listed a lot of series I've, I've either heard of or haven't really read myself. Some of them in Japanese. So uh, bear with me here. So uh, from his picks, we have uh, Spirit Circle, uh, Mononoke Soshi, Kodomo wa wakate agenai and uh, sore demo machi wa mawateiru. 
Spirit Circle and Story Demo, which uh, in English is And Yet the Town Moves, are both on Crunchyroll. They both ended this year, and I, I know that they both uh, are pretty great series. I have read a little bit of uh, Story Demo, and it's, I, I do think it's a real fun series. I, de- I definitely mean to get into it more. And Spirit Circle is also a series I've been meaning to read for a long time. It's pretty short, so you know, hopefully over the break I might get time to go through that, because it's definitely a series that I've been meaning to check out for a while. Oh, well, there you go. So, yeah. Um, but uh, I guess let's move on to our next category. Yes! Our favorite new series to come out of manga in 2016. All right. Uh, I'm just going to say Promise Neverland, honestly. Yeah, it's Promise Neverland. <laughs> like, is there, is there this, okay, there's this two great new series that came out this year. Promise Neverland and Astro Lost in Space. Yes, Astro right? Lost I mean, in Space is definitely my second pick. Yeah, so <laughs> I think we can leave it at that. And we've talked so highly about both those series before, I think. So Yeah, pretty much. I mean, to, I also throw in, you know, uh, Love Rush as an honorary third because I do think that series had a lot of great potential of was doing some really cool things and how it was exploring relationships and each individual character's idea of love and a relationship. So I, I really think that series had a lot of potential. It's unfortunate that it got cancelled. But yeah, I mean Love Promise Everland and Astro Loss of Space, far and away the best two new manga that come out this year. Pretty much. So I I mean Kimitsu no Yaiba is pro I I've I mean I'm still meaning to get back into it, you know, catch up on it. I really hope that Viz uh, licenses it, runs it in our jump. And, you know, Yoshihiro Takashi, you know, recommends it. So I'm sure it's got to be pretty great. Yeah, I like I wasn't like super impressed with what I'd read from like those three volumes. But um, but, you know, I still I still really liked it. Like it was very different for a jump series. And I really I really liked how different it was. And like now now that I'm kind of seeing it around online or whatever, I I, I, like I really want to get back into it because like it, it, it looks like it's getting pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I I talked pretty highly of the first chapter when it debuted, like, way back when we covered yeah, that. that was, like, back in but, February, uh, March. Yeah, it's episode three or something <laughs> we talked about it. But, yes, I mean, I, I haven't read it since the Jumpstart run, but I'm really interested in reading more of it. You know, it, I've just been hearing it pick up. People, like, are really into it. I think that it could have be the potential to be something pretty big, and you know, I'm really hoping that you know we get it legally over here uh, at some point. But yeah, I mean, for now, though, Promise Everland Astro Lost, you know, best two new series of 2016. I think uh, they get both the uh, both of our wholehearted manga mavericks recommendations. Yes, um, I guess we should move on to best chapter. Yes. Uh, you want to go first, or should I? Uh, do you have a pick ready? I do. I'm okay. Do you want to go first? Um, I guess so. I okay. So I'm gonna. I'm sorry, guys. Like, I have okay. I have one Gintama chapter, but I also have another pick. If that makes things any better, uh, so, and a series I well, actually, I did kind of mention it. I only mentioned it once, but I'll get to it. So, and I, and I'm I guess I'm kind of cheating because like, well, no, actually, no. Uh, chapter 610 of Gintama is possibly one of my favorites this year. And it's, uh, I'll try not to go too into details because I don't want to spoil this particular moment. But like, 
Well, I guess this in the chapter before it, I guess I really like because like th- this is the portion of the manga where they're back in Edo and um you know we we get we get uh characters who make their reappearances such as Kintoki and Tama and it's all like a lead up to an over 10 year joke involving the Neo Armstrong de- Jet Cyclone <laughs> Armstrong Cannon thing which I never thought I never thought this would ever get brought up again. Never. I was speechless. That Gengai is essentially like, oh yeah, I've been building this the entire time. Like, okay, sure. I'll believe anything at this point. That's the final arc. Anything goes. And like, I, I, I'm not sure if I mentioned it earlier, but like Gengai was probably my second, uh, my second pick for like best character. Cause I feel like it, it only took a few chapters for, for Gengai to become like probably another one of my favorite characters in Gintama. Because, like, I never thought that Sirachi would ever go back to his to his character arc. I never really even, like, thought about Gengai having a real character arc after his initial appearance. Like, I kind of thought his story was just over and he was just kind of going to be the wacky inventor guy, like in most manga. But, you know, like, it, it's really surprising to me, like, of what he's been doing this entire time when, like, nobody's paying attention. Like, he was getting ready for this this change in the world, and it's, like, it's all really amazing. And, you know, the the the, the stunt that he pulls in particular in Chapter 610, you know, to, to keep Edo safe from all the, all the ships invading is just, it's really amazing. And, like, at the cost of uh, one or two characters, I'll say. And, you know, like, just, just him watching his... Like basically, him sacrificing all of his robots to, you know, to 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 which he he really holds dear, um, to which he also considers his friends. You know, just him watching his robots die out as he's basically emitting this like this this EMP wave to basically shut off all the all the electronics in the area, and him having to sacrifice his robots in order to do that is legitimately heartbreaking. Like, like I. God, I was sobbing so much by the end of the chapter already, and that that was kind of the that was kind of the start of that. Honestly, like basically throughout the second half of that chapter, I was a fucking sobbing, uh, crying, wailing, moaning mess. And I don't think anything else has really emotionally destroyed me that much this year. So, chapter six ten again, Tom is easily my favorite this year, but a big runner up. That really impressed me, I think near the beginning of the year, was actually from My Hero Academia. Mm. Uh, chapter 76 in particular, oh, yeah. which is uh, essentially uh, kind of the second half, the kind of conclusion of uh, Midoriya's fight against, uh, I forget his name. The but big the, the guy. guy. Who, the, the big, who literally fights with his muscles, which is, I'm not looking forward to when they have to animate that, because that's going to look gross. <laughs> um it's gonna look really gross when it's colored, I should say. But um, but yeah, that entire chapter is such a it's such an important uh, characterization for Midoriya because, like, you know, up until this point, obviously Midoriya has been a very, you know, he has he he has determination. He he'll go out and do the right thing as a hero. But you know, he's always still he's still very timid and uh, very quiet, very shy. Uh, you know, so, uh, sometimes you know he does he. I mean, he he kind of has a backbone, but he also doesn't. It's it's there's a very weird balance there. But like this this chapter really impressed me because Midoriya is just putting his he's exerting his body to the very limit, uh, performing all of these uh, 
uh, smash attacks. And, like, he's literally destroying his body. You can tell he's in pain. He is in tears. But he still keeps going. He still he still protects Kota with everything he has. And it even leads to a very, like, great character moment for Kota. Because, you know, that entire arc, Kota doesn't like heroes at all because of, you know, because his parents were heroes. And, you know, they basically died in the line of duty. Um, so... He doesn't hate his parents so much that he just doesn't, he hates the idea of heroes. But, you know, we get a great character moment where, like, you know, he finally, he finally sees, um, he, he sees just how great heroes can be and, like, what their role is and everything. And it's just, that, 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 that entire chapter was very emotionally satisfying. It was, it was just amazing. Yeah, but both of those chapters were really excellent. Like, de- definitely really emotionally powerful, too. Like, that My Hero chapter, like, at the beginning of the year, I was like, oh, wow, there's no chapter from manga that's gonna top this for me. And uh, honestly, there was a My Hero chapter later that did top that chapter, and then there have been other chapters that have topped that, so I, I'm not going to mention it, but that's still, like, I think one of the best chapters of my, not just My Hero, but, like, any manga that I've read, because that's just such a powerful, like, emotional climax. And you really feel the tension and, like, the, and the dread, and, like, the, you know, the fear and it all builds up to this great like emotionally powerful climax that just is like this perfect embodiment of the fight or flight response but also you know pure here unadulterated heroism and it's just so satisfying it's just really great it really shows you how far Midoriya comes as a character yeah and also of course that Kintama chapter that you mentioned that of course that was just a boat a really it's simultaneously heartwarming and heartbreaking chapter of because of the events that happened in it. Not my favorite chapter of Kintama this year, actually. My favorite would probably be chapter 597, which is where, you know, Hasegawa kind of uh, took charge. And yeah, got makes to, a comeback. Yeah, that's a good back. one. Prince Hada returns after 10 years or whatever for great gag. I was yelling when that happened. <laughs> oh, that, that made me so happy. And then, uh, of course, that, chap- that chapter ends in a really satisfying way with the Yorizuwa finally returning to Edo to protect their turf. And that was a moment oh, that I've so been... Good too. That was a that good, too. That specific kind of moment in chapter was a moment that I was really anticipating ever since, you know, the ever since we were in the Rocky Arc, like them returning, you know... The, like the people left behind all defending Edo in the place of the Yorizuwa waiting for them return and you know the Yorizuwa returning like just in the nick of time to help out their friends like that kind of moment was something that I've been anticipating and Sirachi really delivered and did it just so well and so satisfyingly so that that was definitely my favorite Kintama chapter of the year and one of my favorite chapters of the year but the chapter that I want to spotlight from a manga that I read this year is a Fuka chapter 109, The Reason I Came to See You. And, uh, now this chapter is going, I'm going to try my best to talk about it without spoiling some major things that happen in Fuka, especially since the anime is going to come out next year, next, uh, January, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty close. But, uh, 
So basically, this is a pretty big emo- kind of emotional chapter. So uh, what happens is that the main character, Yu's uh, girlfriend, was killed in a uh, car accident. She was like hit by a truck. And uh, Fuka's dad turns out to be the person who was driving the truck. And so when they find out about this, you know, Fuka like runs away, you know, distraught. And she's like, and so, you know, Yu contemplates this and like he goes after her. And like, he still doesn't really know what he wants to say to her. But, you know, they, they, she tells him, you know, cause she's feeling really guilty about what happened, you know, because she and you, you know, are, be- are in this relate, are forming this relationship. Like, you know, you was kind of finally learned to move on and like, uh, you know, get into a relationship with her and, and starting to form a relationship with her. And so, you know, but she's, you know, spilling his heart out to him and like telling, him about how guilty she she feels about what happened and she says like ever ever when she went to the funeral of his girlfriend like uh and she when she found out that she had a boyfriend that she felt that she she shouldn't ever be allowed to love and that was one thing that couldn't do and so it really hurts her like the most of all right now because you know she fell in love with you and you know she she kept wishing you know she wanted to join his band she wanted to be beside him but like you know she feels being close to him is hurting him and because of her connection to you know his girlfriend's death and she says like she feels like she should have been the one to die and she like runs away in a moment because because she can't like stand to face him anymore she's like tearing up so she runs away she runs into the street and she thinks of how if i had died instead of her and you know uh, she runs into the street and like there's this ongoing truck like coming right at her and it's like the time just kind of stops for a moment and she's like kind of resigned herself like thinking this is fate but you know like right right in the nick of time you manages to save her and like jump right in the way and like save her from the ongoing truck and like just stops there for a moment they're just like he's breathing heavy and trembling and like they're they're all they're both tearing up and he finally you know no figures out what to tell her and he says don't do this and don't blame himself like he needs her like he wants her in his life like he doesn't blame her for what happened and i thought this chapter is just such a really like it's dealing with such really heavy like themes and like this really heavy relationship and complicated relationship and like the way it kind of ends like in some respects you know it may be it's a little it might be a little like on the nose with you know him saving her from an uh, her from an ongoing truck you know the same way like his girlfriend you know got died but still it's just so emotionally infective and like in the moment it's it's like really powerful moment it's like you can't like not feel it like when it happens you cannot feel like the rush and like this like the satisfaction the catharsis and like seeing the relationship between them develop from here on as well has just really been great if we had a best couple of the year I think that you and Fuka would probably be my pick. Although, uh, yeah, no, not, not Rockland Shitogate. I like them, but they, they don't compare to you and Fuka. Like, really, really great relationship. And, and this was a really freaking powerful chapter.
Like, so, great stuff. Yeah, I guess I'm going to have to start Fuka soon, because I've heard very good things about it. My brother and I are certainly looking forward to seeing people's reactions when the truck shows up. (laughs) (laughs) Um... All right, so I guess we can move on to best series finale. Yes, and uh, you want to start first, or should I? Uh, actually, I feel like we're gonna pick the same thing. But okay, so here's the thing with me: like, only two series that I like actually were actively read were ending, so I don't have a lot to choose from. But so, and I, I didn't really care for either of them, so this was really just a matter of me picking which one I disliked the least. And honestly. Again, as much as I was down on the final arc, I still thought Toriko was comparatively a lot better of a read than Nisekoi. Because I I'm sure I talked about it on the podcast, but I think we might actually we might have actually cut it out of an episode due to time. Yeah, we did. Yeah, all I'm gonna say is like at some point, like like Nisekoi at some points was already kind of annoying me, but you know, I, I like, it's weird, because, like, Nisekoi was kind of annoying me, then I got kind of used to its writing, and, like, at some point, I feel like it's pretty safe to say that, like, Nisekoi's ending wasn't, it didn't exactly come out of nowhere, like, like, I feel like a lot of people knew who Raku was gonna end up with, I don't think that was really a surprise, and I mean, again, like, you know, Nisekoi out of most rom-coms I've read, it's still one of the better ones, but it also still still isn't really, like, the most original either. And, like, Nisekoi, I got so burnt out on around, like, the last 15 or so chapters, because it just kind of felt like it really dragged on. It especially didn't help that, like, the ending I thought was so predictable that I was just kind of like, okay, I've been I've been reading you since chapter one. Let's just get a move on. I just want this to end already. And I I kind of felt like that with Toriko a little bit, but at the very, like, Toriko still gave me stuff that I enjoyed. So I have to give it that. So personally, I thought Toriko had the better series finale this year. Well, Toriko would also have been my answer. But I completely disagree with you on Nisekoi, because I thought it ended excellently. I thought it had a great final year, and I was thoroughly enjoying that final stretch of chapters, because I thought that it was really delivering a lot of great payoff to basically every character's, like, little arc that they had going through it. And I think that, you know, it ended in a really satisfying way. I personally think that it was some of the finest material that the series had put out in, in its entire run. But, uh, you know, to just go off my rules of just sticking with license stuff, I'll mention the finale of Billy Bat, because obviously that was freaking amazing, like a perfect way to wrap up that series, that it ended on this really great story about these two soldiers in this battlefield. Like, they're fighting each other. They don't know why. But, you know, they get trapped in a landmine. And so neither one can really move because, you know, they're they're afraid that they'll blow up. And so they start talking and they take off, like, their heavy coats. And, like, they both reveal they have this Billy Bat shirt on. And then they start bonding over their, you know, memory, uh, over their wealth of Billy Bat and start destroying their friendship. And then they notice, you know, this kid and he's holding... He, he, this orphan kid whose, you know, parents have probably been killed off in this war. And like, he's, he's completely dehydrated starting and he's clutching onto his dear life. This one issue of Billy Bat that's really important to him. And 
this one these soldiers decide, okay, they gotta help help this kid, and so they take one of them takes a risk and you know steps off his landmine, and uh, it doesn't explode. Luckily, so he goes over carefully to help the kid, and he promises the other soldier, "I'm gonna come back for you. You wait." And so he he goes and helps the kid, and then he also gives him, like, the final issue of the Billy Back comic, you know, that he's reading, which, you know, of course makes the kid happy, like, he was he was hoping for that. And, you know, he goes back to help the soldier, uh, that other soldier, you know, uh, and he helps helps him escape from uh, the landmine he's on, and so then the two kind of just renounce the war together, you know, basically, they just... They decide, you know, there's, it isn't worth fighting for. It's more important to work, it's worth living. And then, you know, they kind of have formed this friendship over Billy Bat. And this kid has been inspired by the Billy Bat comic he's read. And he's like, I'm going to save the world one day. And it's just this, it ends, so the series ends on this just really inspiring story about the power of stories, about how they bring people together, about how they can inspire, about how they can change the world, really. And I, it's just such a great message and just such a great, for, especially for me as a creative person, it's just such a great encapsulation about uh, about really the power of stories, about why I love uh, great stories, great animation, great comic books, great uh, great F- books and films, great like just great stories, and why stories are so important to so many people, and like how they bring us together, how they shape can shape our futures, how they can really affect the people we are and we become, and who we choose to be. And it's just such a great ending. And it's uh, I should have, and I should have expected no less of Ursala. But he really surprised me with just the direction and the message he ultimately took with Billy Bat. And you know that series is probably my. It's hard to. I, I need to read through it beginning to end again. But honestly, I feel like it is my favorite work of Ursala's because it, I think, is just such an incredible passionate piece of work and great mediation on, on the power of great stories and how it affects us as people. And it's so good. Why Why hasn't Kadansha USA licensed Billy Bat already? <laughs> Seriously, do that! Come on! It is... Uh, it is not only one of the best comics of Urasawa's career, it is just one of the best manga of all time. So, yeah. Billy Bat ending was freaking amazing. There you go. I guess we should move on to our best moment. Yes. So, uh, do you want to go first with this? Or? Um, yes. I'm just going to get out of the way. I got one from Gintama, too. I'm sorry. But, like, <laughs> I okay, but you got to understand, I'm not going to give any context to this, because it would take another hour to explain the context for this. But I'm sorry, guys. When... When Sirachi pulls out giant talking penises, like, I'm sorry, that's pretty much my favorite moment in manga, like, of all time, let alone this year. I'm sorry. that It has to go to that. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you any more context. That's, that's all you get. Giant talking penises. Sirachi literally did it. He literally wrote the best dick joke he's, uh, he's ever done since the start of Shogun Assassination. When, when I first watched the Shogun Assassination arc, I, I was thinking, man, like, in retrospect, he really got his, like, his best dick jokes out of the way before he, like, got into all the story, before he started <laughs> the beginning and the end. But no, no, like, leave it to the final arc to bring out giant talking penises with faces on them. Like, 
It really can't. I really can't add any more to that conversation other than giant talking penis. That's that's all. So your favorite moment of the year is giant talking. Penis. Yes. How how can you not give it to that? That's like how does that run and jump? How? I can't wait for them to animate that. I'm re- I'm really I'm. I mean, assuming they animate the final arc in this season, we don't know for sure yet, but I'm assuming that if they animate the final arc right away, that I'm, gl- I'm glad they got a 1.30 a.m. time slot, because you wouldn't be able to get away with that at 6 o'clock on Japanese television. At least I don't think so, but I do, I do have a sec, I do have like a runner-up that like, like when I, like I have, I have plenty of like favorite moments throughout the year. But this one was probably the most surprising to me because, again, uh, I'm just going to say it like I'm actually going to give it to One Piece. Uh, Hmm. I'm actually going to give it to the ending of Luffy's confrontation with Sanji because the because the ending of the the, of that fight is legitimately emotional. Yeah. And that kind of surprised me because, like, I haven't really, like, teared up at One Piece for a while, probably not since the end of the Corazon flashback. Have I really teared up? Um, mm-hmm. And like, like, like I was saying earlier, you know, uh, my biggest problem with One Piece is that I feel like the characters are a little have been a little too stagnant, and I feel like, and I feel like that's sort of also that's mostly because again, we at this point we kind of have to go through the story and finish it, and there's not really a lot of room for there's not a lot of room for like big character moments, or at least nothing like new, I should say. Um, if that makes any sense. Um, but, but I, I feel like, and I'm not saying like this really brought anything new because like, you know, like as early, as far back as like Arlong Park, Luffy is in fully admitted that like without his crew, he can't do anything. So this was just kind of hearkening back to that. But like, it, it is still very powerful to see Luffy if admit out loud that without Sanji by his side, he can't become King of the Pirates. I thought like that that I thought that was a very like surprising very impactful line. Yeah, I mean that chapter easily the best one piece chapter of the year easily the best one piece moment of the year is yeah. like such great emotional payoff and like it, it really is does like tie into the bond between these characters like on a level that we really haven't felt for a very long time, and it just feels so powerful. Especially, especially when it comes to Luffy and Sanji, because like I, one of my favorite moments from 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 the Barati arc is near the end, where you know S- Sanji kind of has some has has a little bit of bro time with Luffy right after the fight, and he's like, "Hey, ever hear?" Like he gets so excited talking about the all blue, and it, like I think it's legitimately one of the most adorable moments in One Piece, where Sanji's just Sanji's just talking with this new friend, and it's cute, and it's and it's adorable, and it's like I feel like um, I don't know, like as as little of it as we get, I've always liked seeing Luffy and Sanji interact. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was that was a great One Piece moment, and between two characters who have had a great history with each other and as i mentioned before a character i think was one of the best of the year but okay so real talk if i had not limited myself to one entry per series uh this list my list uh nominations would have been dominated by toriko 
My best character would have been Mira. My best villain would have been Acacia. My best fight would have been everyone versus oh, Acacia. Oh, yeah, why did I pick Mira for best character? Damn it. <laughs> My best girl in the series would have been Toriko. My best chapter would have been either Toriko, chapter 385, Mira's full course, where Mira is, like, telling Joey his full course while he's, like, beating well he's like beating the shit out of oh, him. Oh you're you're a better then, you're a better man than I am. I pick I picked Ogintama. <laughs> and uh but so yeah my my best moment I'm choosing a Torico moment here. And it is a moment that I discussed on uh our Torico Magified and that's Mita reuniting with his family for a meal together. Yeah. I mean really that entire chapter uh three ninety five is just such a great collection of uh, really awesome callbacks and homages and memories with the series as a whole with so many great small moments between characters and reminiscence that you know it, it really it really feels nostalgic it really feels satisfying to see the journey of the, every character to this point and see them all share a meal together but uh the the climax of the chapter like Midera attending Torkoal's full course meal banquet and seeing seated at a small dining table, his family and his mother froze and her telling him, come eat with us, Midera. And Midera just tearing up. Like, Midera never, this was Midera, eating a full meal with his family again was Midera's full course. Like, that, that was his dream and he in his fight with joey said that my full course probably will never be but that's okay i'm resigned to that fact but in this moment it's happening his dream is being achieved and 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 you just feel the emotion like you see him tear up and you see him like slowly de-age as he's processing all this because really deep down Mira was like still a child like all his um ambitions and everything he did in the series was because he he was still clinging to the past and what was in a sense and couldn't let that go and was resentful of what was taken from him but so seeing him de-age to a child and like you know kind of return to his youth and then and pick his head up and smile and say yes and then run over to his family you know as they all eagerly wait him and then see you know Kamasu and Setsuno tearing up as they're watching this happen and Torko just giving this this smile of you know ha- uh, also happiness that Midora's dream has come true like it's just such a powerful emotional moment and Midora was a character I had been I have been invested in for years you know I've always been a really staunch Midora supporter like he's my favorite character in Dark Girl one of my favorite characters of all time now really and, and just seeing this just seeing this moment from here this moment from him this really powerful emotional moment is just so so satisfying and so emotional I was tearing up just as much as Tomatsu was really and uh, yeah so that Far and away, my favorite moment in manga this year. Like, I, I, damn. it's worth mentioning on on my end that even with like the most burnt out Toriko fans that I have, I have like talked to recently. Like, I feel like it's worth mentioning that uh, even even with some of those people I talked to and converse with, that moment also hit them very hard. Yeah, 
I, I think everyone can agree Mira's character arc and his journey in the series is just absolutely excellent. As I think we all unanimously agreed on in the manga fight episode, uh, Mira was the best character. And yeah, just seeing that, just seeing that for him was just so satisfying. Yeah. So I think we should move on to our last category. Um, so something I think I actually came up with, something I really, I really wanted to do because I felt like, mm. uh, you know, I get called out on all the time because <laughs> I help run a manga podcast and I don't read enough manga. Well, guess what? I'm going to try fixing that with this. So I propose this category uh, in particular. Um, our, our, our backlog series that we want to get to, that we want to read in 2016, that we promise we will read. The, the, this is this is essentially our manga mavericks uh, New Year's resolution, as it were. Since this is our last episode of the year, I figured it'd be appropriate to uh, make a resolution to read something next year, maybe a couple things. Um, all right, so do you want to go first, Sid? Because I'm I'm actually really curious about what you plan on reading next year. Sure. So first things first, I should finally read all the manga I have on my bookshelf that I haven't <laughs> read too. yet. Because I freaking have entire series I have on my bookshelf that I have never read. I have all of Please Save My Earth, which I've had for like two, three years now. I still haven't read that series. I have all of Hanakimi, and I've only still read a part, a little bit of that series. Same with Shaman King. Same with bunch of other series. Like, too many to name, honestly, which is kind of shameful, really. So, yeah, that... Is like my number one thing. Like, f- read all the freaking manga that I've bought over the years. Like, I actually so, should. So you want? So you want to read everything on your shelf this year? Yeah, all seven hundred plus. Volumes. Oh Jesus! No, just, just, I, you, just, even, just, just, just the stuff I haven't already. Read. I was gonna say, even I'm not that ambitious. Um, <laughs> oh. And then, aside from that, there's some stuff I want to read next year. You know, so that we can do some episodes on them. Because they have anniversaries coming up or because we've, you know, talked to people before about doing episodes on them. And those series are Sket Dance. Of course, I want to finish that. Uh, I Shield 21 as well. Ooh, there you go. Uh, Baki the Grappler. Because uh-huh. promised Casey we'd do an episode of that. And uh, Devil Man, because we promised Josh we'd uh, do something. Oh, yeah. That. We did want to do that with Josh. <laughs> yeah. So those are my main four. Uh, okay. Uh, besides of the manga I'm on my bookshelf. And then uh, anything else I get to is going to be a plus two. You know, maybe maybe I'll get to Hajime New Ippo again, finally. Okay, well, I have I have a few particular titles because I know my limits and I know what I'm going to actually be able to read because I'm terrible at managing my time. Uh, okay, so I've talked about it on the podcast before, but, like, I have a few series that, like, I am collecting in particular because, um, like... I don't like reading something like if I'm reading something like from my collection that I know is incomplete. I'd like I, I I don't like reading incomplete stuff if I don't own it all. So like there are a couple of series I'm trying to I'm trying to actually buy all of before I start reading, and uh, one of them is Yu Yu Hakusho. Um, <laughs> and out of everything I'm trying to collect, I think Yu Yu Hakusho is the thing I want to read the most. So I'm going to make a Maga Mavericks New Year's resolution to read Yu Yu Show next year. Okay. Um, I have two more series, though. So I, I've, I've kind of realized the other day that, like, Shonen, the, the Viz Shonen Jump is in, is in a bit of dire straits. I mean, like, it's not like it's not like in a die or anything, but like it could it could use some new stuff. It could use some new weekly stuff. 
You know, like, mm. I, I appreciate a lot of the, like, you know, special stuff. They Like, I appreciate the jump starts and them picking up, like, side stories like the Kenshin and Yu-Gi-Oh stuff or whatever. But, like, you know, I realize I, I need some new weeklies to read because Gintama's gonna end and Toriko and Nisekoi ended this year. I was reading those and pretty much I'm reading probably three or four series in Jump at this point. Let's see, One Piece, My Hero Academia, One Punch Man, that's kind of irregular, um, and Promise Neverland. So yeah, I'm reading four series in Jump, and I kind of need some new additions. So also next year, I am going to read Food Wars. Okay, going to be interested seeing you catch up on that. Yeah, and I like, I know I could just start where the anime ended, but like, I have the, I have the, I have the disease where like, you have to read everything, otherwise, uh, otherwise, like, you tear out your hair or whatever, Mentally, I guess. <laughs> um, so I want to finally collect, uh, basically collect whatever Food Wars is like out digitally, and then like from there read the. Because like I have, I have like all of the Shonen Jump run of Food Wars, all of the like the Viz Jump run of Food Wars, like from where it started. So I figured I could just like buy whatever I need in volume form, and then just read the rest through my jumps or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it start. This started like. In the final match of the Fall Classic, so... Oh, did they really? Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Um, So I'm definitely... I really want to read Food Wars next year. And then the last thing that I'm actually going to get to sooner, hopefully, rather than later, something that I've been avoiding, that I I kind of didn't want to read after the first chapter, because I didn't really like the first chapter, because it reminded me about a... It reminded me of, of a bunch of other series that I'm not really a fan of, but... It's 100 chapters coming up. I will read all of Black Clover next year. Mm-hmm. I am fi- I am finally going to read Black Clover from start to finish, see if I like it. If I, if I like it, I will start reading it weekly. Alright. So, yeah. If I if I do not like it though by the end I am not adding it to my lineup, but I am gonna I am gonna give it a fair chance. Yeah, I mean, hundred chapters is a pretty fair chance. You know, well, yeah. I really want to try and get Josh Stoltz to do it. So cause he's it, not gonna do yeah. it. Yeah, you know he's not. But <laughs> it'd just be fun to see to see what he would think of it. After reading, he chapters. will he will read he will read five pages and be like, "Nope, guys, this is the worst <laughs> manga ever." It's it's basically all the worst parts of Naruto. Like I couldn't even get past the first panel. It just the art sucks. Well, I definitely know some people who are enthusiastic about Black Clover that we can invite on for that potential show. So uh, that's something I'm looking forward to doing next year. And and let's be honest, like we didn't mention it on the show because it's not really news. It's like an announcement of an announcement. But like at the time of recording this, we're eagerly awaiting a a big announcement for Black Clover from Jump Festa, and it's. It's probably most likely going to be an anime, honestly. I really can't think of anything else it's going to be. Yeah, that's it's, it's probably what it's going to be. So, uh, yeah, that, that should be interesting. Hopefully it gets a good studio. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, I guess some other ones that I want to mention for myself, uh, I just remembered. Okay. Uh, I want to read some more Kazuhiro Fujita stuff. Uh, oh, there you so, go. So, yeah, I mean... Uh, Karakuri Circus and his new series, if there are any like translations of that. Yeah, so that's something that's something I want to get on. Uh a lot of other Sunday stuff too. Uh nothing off the top of my head besides uh or Oreka Korewa. 
I wish I could read Sobote, honestly, because that, that's another Fujita work. Yeah, Sobote, you know, from what Bomber has been showing on his uh, Sunday Ghost Juice on Twitter, like, looks so good. I, I So I'm hoping that... Uh, I've said it before, but man, Wiz, I will hope. I really wish you had some Sunday simul pubs. Like, really, there's I, Conan, Sobute, Rene. Like, this, there's some really good stuff you could be simul pubbing. Keijo. Keijo, yeah, Keijo's in. So yeah. Yeah, look, look, look forward to more Sunday talk uh, next year on the podcast. Oh yeah, that's that's an episode we're, we're planning. But yeah, I I do just I just I I do want to make sure I'm very clear here when I say I will I will read all three of those before the end of next year. Mm-hmm. And I promise uh, for sure to read Get Dance, Ice Shield Twenty One, Baki, and Devilman. Above anything else, those are the four I will for sure have read by the end of next year. Well, let's let's see how we do uh, by the end of next year. Mm-hmm. We'll see if we've lived up to uh, what our promises. All right, and um, but before we move on, I, and uh, and like I think that's the that's pretty much all of our categories. We went on a lot longer than I thought we would, but whatever, it's cool. Um, maybe we can give you guys an extra long episode since uh, we're probably not going to record anything else until about a week after the new year. So, uh, but anyway, so uh, I also went on the Manga Mavericks Twitter to uh, ask people about uh, what series or whatever they want to finally get to next year, and. Uh, Again, like last time, uh, your brother, Vlord GTZ, uh, answered with Baki and Berserk. Mm-hmm. Um, Allison also wrote in and said she wants to get to prison school, which I've heard very mixed things on. I know people who like it. I know people who hate it. I've seen some pages from it. It looks like something that I would find funny, but also something I would probably find super disgusting. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. And not not really something I want to get to like right away. It's just more something I'm I'm just kind of like I'll oh, read it whenever. Who really cares? Uh, I don't. Know, how about you, Sid? You rare into you rare into read Prison School. You, you want to make that one of your uh, manga Mavericks uh, New Year's resolutions? Not really. I wasn't really <laughs> fond of the anime, so uh, yeah. All right, fair enough. Um, Joe Crawford or uh, at J3K underscore C points out. That he sounds like a suck up when he suggests all these titles, but uh, he wants to get to JoJo, Inuyasha, Ranma, and Toriko. Yeah, I'm glad we managed uh, our po- I'm glad our podcast managed to you know uh, encourage people to check out some series. That's pretty cool. That's good. That's good. Um, let's see. Uh, Gunsword Fist wrote in and said uh, he has uh, started JoJo. and uh, will also start Lone Wolf and Cub soon. Yeah, he I. I- GSF, you're gonna be reading a lot of manga with our with our the new uh, great manga greatest comic tournament we have going on Animation Revelations. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be interested in seeing your your thoughts on some of the new manga that pop up in that competition. So yeah, and I know you love Samurai Executioner, so yeah, Lone Wolf and Cub is definitely a masterpiece. So yeah, and. Uh... Yorozuya Boss also wrote in and said uh, she wants to start JoJo too, which I believe she's actually uh, watching the anime right now. But uh, you know, it's a start. Mm-hmm. the The anime is good too. I, I can I can confirm that as an anime only watcher. Yep. All right, but uh, I think we have some Q and A's real quick before we head out. Yes, uh, we've got an email from Wayne Morley, 
who writes, Dear Manga Mavericks, hi, first-time sender, long-time listener. Uh, he wants to thank us for doing the show, and it's nice listening to our podcast on the way to school, even though the schedule the episodes come out is not the best. Well, okay. Can I? Can I? Can, can we just go like one by one here? Because like I read this email ahead of time, and I'm just like, I don't know. I don't want to be. I'm afraid to say anything too because I don't want to come off like too antagonistic at all. I don't want to like end up attacking anyone at all. But like. This is one of those things where it's like, you know, I I used to be one of those people who like, because uh, when I was in middle school, like, you know, I was super big into stuff like uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Abridged and Naruto Abridged, if anybody remembers those. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, and speaking of Naruto, more breaking news. Oh, Jesus, really? <laughs> that live action movie that Lionsgate was rumored to be making has been confirmed, and Masashi Kishimoto is involved in the production. There you go, that's the breaking news. That's pretty cool. I've, yeah. Actually, actually, I, I would see that. Yeah, I mean, if Kishimoto is involved and he's going to have input, then, you know, it has a way better chance of actually being good than Evolution did. <laughs> yeah, at, at least Naruto's actually in school this time. Um, they don't have to force him to go to high yeah. school, but... <laughs> But anyway, yeah, so about the scheduling thing, I, like, I don't, I don't like making excuses, but, like, you know, we have lives outside of podcasting, like, usually, you know, with my other podcast, I have a little more control over when they go up, but, you know, uh, the big guy in charge, Tyler, who, you know, if he's listening, hey, Tyler, thank you for all your hard work, we appreciate it, uh, you know, like, I don't know if this is saying too much or all, but, uh, you know, the, the guy has a family, you know, outside of running all comic and everything. And he's kind of the one in charge of, you know, putting up our episodes. And sometimes, sometimes, you know, we record too long and I have to edit like three hours, probably four hours at this point of a podcast in like three to four days time and try to get it up on time and you know, with, like, work and other podcasts I have to do, like, if I if I had, like, no other podcasts to do, I feel like I'd be able to help get this up a little more timely, but generally, we try to we, tr we try to put up the podcast anywhere between Wednesday and Friday during the week. Usually Thursday, but it seems like, uh, most likely at this point, but, you know, if, if the podcast happens to be late, it's either my fault, or, you know, something came up and Tyler has, like, family issues or something so we're sorry about you know any like uh, scheduling issues but we we really try here so uh and he asked us this question uh i've been meaning to ask since the kodomo no jiken kickstarter ended but has there ever been a series that you read having questionable combat but found it a series actually worth reading kodomo no jiken being my example having read the series understanding what it is i find it really good but understand that the fans is a turn off to the series um I don't really have a good answer for this outside of porn, so, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like, my answer would probably be Food Wars just because, um, and, like, in my in my experience, it didn't, it didn't really bother me because, like, I knew about the gimmick going in about, you know, uh, about what Soma's food does to people. And usually, like, that kind of, that kind of thing would kind of turn me off of a series, but, like, you know, I knew I knew enough about Food Wars going into where, like, it didn't really bother me and I just kind of accepted it. Otherwise, I probably actually wouldn't have given it a second glance. 
and I know people who like are turned off by like the first couple of chapters because of a lot of the excessive uh fan service at the start. And I mean like when I say excessive, I mean like there are worse series, honestly, but like you know, I know people who get kind of turned off by that stuff. And while I understand, I also think that you need to get past the first volume of Food Wars before you decide to drop it. Mm-hmm. To me, it, it it took a little while for me to like get invested into Food Wars. I think around the time like I started getting invested was probably around the fir- uh, like Soma's first Shokugeki match with uh with uh, Nikami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's where it really picks up. But like honestly, Food Wars is probably the closest answer I have to this. Um, otherwise, I can't really think of anything else. My answer is still porn. But anyway, uh, <laughs> as uh, he goes on, as a side note, I feel like the show could be improved by you guys actually reading more series you both know well. The Inuyasha manga fight felt really biased because Colton didn't read the series and gave certain rounds <laughs> that he should have lost. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, what the hell, Sid? What? It's, it's your fault. Oh shit. Whatever. Um, it's I'm tired. Okay, so uh, is that the end of the email? Uh, no. Uh, he says final thoughts on the fight. Having Grimm's Tamron as director gave Sid ra- the round after it came up that George Bell directed Happy Feet, but it also failed to be brought up that he also directed Early Mad Max and Twilight Zone movie. Actually, we did bring that up. Uh, Josh brought that up. But uh, Josh gave actors a well-thought-out plan for live-action and director who will give us a better sense of the world, having rid of only Nasha myself. You know, honestly, even though I won that round, I do agree. I think Josh's pitch was better. Spin. Well, see, but, well, see uh, here's the thing with that. Like, and this just goes back to, like, how I judge these fights. And, like, you know, I've, I've like, I've gotten, I've gotten a bit of flack here and there for not being a good judge, and it's like, I understand, maybe I could be better, but at the same time, like, I don't take these manga fights 100% seriously, and if I did, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be very fun, honestly. Like, you know, yeah, we want to debate, but we also, we, we just, we just try to be funny and have fun. If we took them too seriously, we just, we would, we, it wouldn't be fun. It wouldn't be fun to listen to. Yeah. So, I mean, if if you're looking for, like, 100% real debates, you're not really... I hate to say this about our own podcast, but you're not going to find them in manga fights. Well, I mean, hopefully you will find some interesting debates, but, uh... Like, They'll be we're, interesting, we're trying to have but, fun yeah. more, more so than anything else. So, don't take them too seriously. The problem is, with a lot of the people we have on for these fights, a lot of us are, are too polite and, like, you know, want to... You know, we like uh, not all of us are like super passionate about arguing our point. That's why we need to have Josh on again. Yeah, <laughs> Josh has no qualms about that, which is great. Uh, but yeah, like I, I gave Sid that round because I, I agreed with his answer a little bit more, and I think I even, I mean, I could be remembering this wrong, but I think I even told Josh, yeah, he had a, he had a good plan. Like I recognized that, yeah, he. Right out of the gate, he had a more well thought out plan than Sid. I will give him that, but per, like you know, the way I, with the way I judge these fights, I'm either going to go with who I think either made the best argument or who I agree with the most. And whether you think that's right or wrong, um, you know, uh, my advice is um, start your own podcast. 
and uh, get enough of a following to where we notice you. And then when you become a great big podcaster like uh, the two of us, you can come on and judge judge your own manga fight. Well, that was very mean-spirited of you. (laughs) Look, it's... It's almost three in the morning. I'm cranky. That's my excuse. That's another thing, too. I, I like to give a lot of excuses, and I don't think anybody likes that. But um, uh, there was another point he brought up. What was – um? he brought up my judging, and then what else did he bring up again? No, I think we Maybe covered again? all of that. Okay. My, my My point being, if you don't agree with the way I judge these fights, that's totally fine. But at the end of the day, there's, there's no real – Personally, I don't think there's real. There's a real like right way to judge them. I it really all depends on the person individually. Yep. Um, thank you, Wayne, for that email. Again, sorry if I came off if I if I sounded like a dick at all. But yeah, we're tired. We're recording yeah. this really late at night. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, <laughs> and uh, we have some comments on our manga fight. Uh, on Toriko from Laserfloat on Reddit, who writes, uh, You guys were a bit stacked in the fights of Tommy Rod and in the fight of Mita with Ichiryu. I'm not quite sure what he means by that. I think that... Yeah, were, I, yeah I don't know what he means either. I think I think he means, like, that there is two... There is definitely more, uh, more of a slant in one direction or the other because of the way that argument went, I think. Because... I think, and this is one of the reasons why you called that match the way you did, like, cause I was arguing more about specifics about the Toriko and Tommy Rod fight while Maxie was kind of not giving as much specifics about what his fight was great. No, because he, he spent, he spent too much time criticizing Tommy Rod because he's a Hunter Hunter character, yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, as I, I guess I can, I can see, but you know, that, that's, has to do, that, uh, we weren't. We these aren't like planned, pre- prepared arguments, kind of things. Like these are like spontaneous, like spur of the moment things that we yeah. go into. So ninety percent of them guaranteed. Yeah. So again, this is Maybe like a 85. game show kind of as show, like you know, where we're pitting two people against each other and kind of like a game of wit and who is more, who can like convince the judge about like who is more right than the other guy. So there's multiple different directions to play that game. One way is to like really go into specifics, other ways like to make funny jokes and uh really outlandish statements that just are too infectious to not love. Well thankfully Maxi apparently killed it, so Yeah. God Maxi was so good on that episode. Like we need to have that on again. I know he's such a fucking funny guy. If you're listening, Maxie, we love you and we think you're funny. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh and another comment that Laser Fork has on our manga fight is says, No one mentioned the fight of everyone versus Acacia and Joey, and he's curious why. And I I think Maxie and I both mentioned that was actually a fight we were both considering of mentioning, but we just went with other choices because we felt more strongly about them. Like, I, I do generally think Tom, Toriko versus Tommy Rod is probably the best fight in Toriko because of everything it encapsulates. But I do absolutely love the sheer balls to walls insanity of that final battle with Acacia and Joey. And, uh, yeah. Thank you, Laser Fork, for your comments. 
And finally, we have a question on animation revelation from my friend Spark of Spirit, who wants to know what we thought were the best and worst new series that Jump started running this year. And I think we kind of covered the best one. That was easily Promise Neverland. Uh, yeah. And Com- Astralos of Space, as well as Kometsu no Yaiba. Um, and, I, and in my opinion, Love Rush. But um, as far as worst goes... Well, uh, actually, before we get on, before we get on to that real quick, I, I think we even we talked about this in our last recording a bit. But yeah, so basically mine and Sid's uh, choices are kind of the same, except take... Take Love Rush and replace it with um, Ole Galazzo. Yeah, I mean Ole Galazzo also has a pretty promising start, but uh, you know I, I Love Rush was man, I'm so disappointed that series got canceled. But anyway, <laughs> um, as far as worst new series goes, like there really wasn't a series that I particularly dislike that was started in Jump this year. But I think Taco One Unboxed definitely had the least to offer, and I was I enjoyed the least. Like it didn't. Yeah, it wasn't very interesting or entertaining to me. Yeah, Takuan and Batsu, I think, could have been... It could have been funny, I think, at least. And it could have been kind of enjoyable, but, like, I don't know. It just didn't really do anything for me. And personally, I know that this is another thing we want to do next year is, I think, I don't know if we talked about it on the show yet, but I do want to actually read all of it, all of this, and maybe in time for, like, Valentine's Day or something, but... uh for, like I read the first chapter of Love Rush and I just I just I thought it was dumb, but I but I will say I I do recognize that it looked like it was again I, from somebody who's only read the first chapter it looked like it was going to do a lot of really interesting stuff within its genre. So from what Sid and Maxi have been trying to tell me, from them trying to convince me that Love Rush is actually good, I <laughs> I I would consider reading it pretty soon so we could maybe do like sort of a themed episode about it or something, or at least, or at least have like a mini discussion on it or something. At least talk about my thoughts on it or something. Yeah. Like again, again, LaFresh was doing some really interesting things within uh, that were like, were really atypical of its genre and really like also just really interesting explorations of certain teams in its own right that I thought just had so much potential, but See, yeah. see, at least, at least, Love Rush had a had a good page every once in a while that I really thought would be like really nice. The and art drawn. was fantastic Taku- as well. The t- Takuan and Batsu's art didn't really like leave an impression on me at all. And yeah. actually, I didn't even I don't even really care for like the character designs. When I when I first saw that cover of the Viz Shonen Jump, I literally thought I was reading a gag. I thought I was going to read a gag manga version of like Twin Star Exorcist. Uh, it looked like Muyo and Roji, but just without the charm. Oh yeah, actually, that's probably a better comparison because because the because because the uh, the Tatsu the, looks the male... a lot like uh, Muyo. He really does, except if he were taller. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Takawana Batsu, I think, is easily the most disinteresting. Is that a word? Disinteresting. Uninteresting. Uh, Jumpstart. Uninteresting, thank you. It's the most uninteresting jumpstart from the last from this past year, definitely. Yeah, outside of Taco and Bossa, there really isn't anything I can really say I I disliked or didn't e- enjoy. Even like I liked pretty much all the other jumpstarts. Pretty much like I I like Amalgam. I, I like Spring Weapon. I like Demons. Spring Spring Weapon. I only thought was okay. 
Yeah, I thought it got better and got funnier than we wanted. And I, uh, I like Oli Lamazo. I guess Demon's Plan, I was still kind of met on by its third chapter, so. Demon's Plan, I really want to see where it goes, but it feels like it's just going to get cancelled, like Red Sprite! Yeah. But Red Sprite, Red Sprite was good for while it lasted, but I, I'm not... Red Sprite, I think, could have had... I think it had potential, but... Yeah, that, it definitely the, did. The, but, the, but, the, but the character writing just wasn't interesting at all. On the contrary, I think it got as more interesting as it went along, especially when it came to the Alfred arc. I think there was this really... I think Alfred was actually a really interesting character. Uh, it was rushed. It was rushed by the end, but I think just that arc in and of itself and that character was really well done. But, uh... Yeah, I mean, Red, Red Sprite was another unfortunate casualty, though I'm not as sad about it being canceled as Love Rush, because I just thought Love, Love, I just thought Love Rush was doing something more unique. But, uh, you know, I, I guess, if I'm being brutally honest, the Ruby manga hasn't been very impressive so far, just because it's just been retelling the trailers without really adding new anything new to it. But I know that eventually it's going to get into the new original storyline, so I'm hoping, like, that will be worth, like, the wait. Because I know that's going to involve Alan Torchwick, and it may involve Neo. So, looking forward to seeing those guys again. I think that's about it, right? Yeah, I think that's about it. That was our, uh, those were our questions. So, uh, thank you guys for sending those to us and continue doing so. We love uh, reading and answering them. Yes, thank you guys very much. And thank you. Uh, to all of our listeners who have listened to Manga Mavericks over the past year. Mm-hmm. It's been quite a ride in Crunchyroll. I mean, it's it's hard to believe that we started less than a year ago because it actually feels like quite a long time. And But in some respects, it doesn't feel very long at all. We've done a lot of shit. Yeah, re- really. I mean, we even started our own sub-show with Indie Year and Manga Fights and we've already done three episodes of that. So it's it's pretty amazing how many episodes we've done. Uh, pretty much in cl- uh, 22 manga, regular Manga Mavericks, and then uh, one special with episode 21.5, which was the, you know, old uh, Manga Corner episode. Then we had the stream Manga Fights. Uh, so we, we've put out about 26 podcasts in the course of the year, which is pretty great. I don't know about you, but I am looking forward to podcasting another year with you. Oh, yeah. I mean, we have some great things planned. There's a lot I'm looking forward to talking about. And as we've seen, like, in through this year, like, there's so much news. There's always so much to talk about in the world of manga. Like, it's yeah. really exciting. Like, you never know what you're going to get to talk about, like, what's been licensed, what new series is coming out. And, and so it's always quite a troll ride. And, I'm always really excited to come on the show and talk about this stuff. And personally, I, if I can just get kind of personal here for a second, I, I like that I made a new friend in Sid this year. Yeah, me too. I mean, me, it, it's really cool to be podcasting with you, you know, to be talking with you. And like, I, it's, I don't really talk with a whole lot of people about manga. So, in you know my pers- uh my outside personal life, so I've really met a lot of new people, you know, through this show that I'm really, really glad to have met. Like, in, it's really in a lot of really cool people, like Bomber and Maxi and Josh. It's just yeah, it's just so great. Casey, Casey, yeah, 
but uh, I- I'll be completely honest, and I promise we'll end here in just a second, but uh, when I first, I guess, answered the call for, like, uh, uh, for all comic, because uh, I guess uh, all comic needed people for, you know, to cover manga stuff, and uh, I, I'll be, I'll be quite honest. I kind of only answered that because I thought, hey, maybe I could get paid for <laughs> talking about manga. I don't know. And then it was, it was really weird, like because Tyler was like, "Oh yeah, this other guy wants to start a podcast. Maybe you could podcast with him." I'm like, "Okay, I'll just podcast with some random schmo, I guess." And that ends up being Sid, <laughs> who I had already kind of talked to a bit, and like. I was a little hesitant at first because, like, I'm, I don't, I'm like, I'm, it's very hard for me to, like, talk to new people and get acquainted with them. So I was, like, kind of nervous at first. Like, yeah, I've never talked to, this, I don't talk to this guy much. I, I don't know if I want to do this, but I'm glad I did it because, like, Sid has honestly become, like, a really good friend of mine through this podcast. And I really enjoy talking to him, like, every other week. So I feel the same way. Like, I'm really glad to be doing this show because this is something I really look forward to like recording and listening to, you know, uh, like every two weeks that we do it. And, you know, even sooner and like even sooner when we, you know, record manga fights like every other week or something. And yeah, it's just, I really enjoy having some really great conversations about something, you know, I'm really passionate about and, really enjoyed meeting so many other people who feel the same way and it's, it's really really cool like this is something that's brought a lot of joy into my life and i just want to thank you golden for uh and for sh- for sharing this journey well i i appreciate it sid i likewise and uh i cannot wait for all the stuff we're going to record next year oh yeah because we we got we got some really exciting plans we got some great we got some great ideas for great discussions we want to have. Uh, and yeah, like I, I'm getting, I'm getting like goosebumps at all the editing <laughs> I'm going to have to do next year. Well, just you wait. Once I get out of school, I can help maybe help with well, Once that. you get out of school, we'll, we'll at least alternate. Yeah. I don't want to put all the editing on you because that wouldn't be fair. Um, Especially with long episodes like these, which we should probably just end now. So, again, thank you, everybody, for listening to uh, Manga Mavericks. Not just this episode, but for the whole year, really. And uh, we can't wait to have you guys listen to what we have in store for you. But for now, 2017 is ending. Uh, We hope you guys enjoyed this last podcast of the year. Uh, We're really – or did I say 2017? I meant 2016. Whoops. Uh, Yeah, I just – I just wanted to be 2017 already, like, <laughs> like most of you guys. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just I can't wait for 2017. It's hopefully it'll be just a better year all around. But even if it's not, I hate to sound pessimistic. Even if it's not, we'll still be there to try to entertain you as best we can. Mm-hmm. So I think with that all the way, uh, Sid, where can the good people find you? You can find me as Lum Ramayasha on Animation Re- Revelation Twitter and my anime list. And you can find my art at Sid Gupta's Awesome Art Blog. Well, there you go. Um, and uh, if you want to find me, Colton, you can uh, find me on Twitter at SniperKing323. That's S-N-I-P-E-R-K-I-G-323. Uh, if you aren't tired of me talking about Gintama on this podcast yet, you want to hear you want to hear a whole a whole podcast dedicated to me talking about Gintama. Well, you're in luck. Uh, we got Life Lessons, the Gintama manga cast, where I talk about the Gintama manga from the very beginning through the old Viz Media release that isn't being uh, sold anymore, unfortunately. 
or I guess being released, whatever. Um, and you can find that. That's Life Lessons, the Gintama Manga Cast at GintalifeLessons.wordpress.com. Uh, I also have another podcast called One Podcast Prevails, where I uh, talk with my good friend, Doctor, about uh, Detective Conan slash Case Closed as it's released by Viz. Again, same thing with Life Lessons. We talk about Detective Conan from the very beginning and uh, trudge our way through an almost 1,000 chapter series from the very beginning. Um, <laughs> you can find that at onepodcastprevails.wordpress.com. But uh, as for all comic and the podcast in general, if you want to you wanna find more of uh, Manga Mavericks and our manga fights, anything with the Manga Mavericks name attached, you want to find all of our podcasts in one place, you can could, you could find every episode at all comic.com that's all dash comic.com uh again all of our episodes will always be posted there obviously uh if you want to follow all comic in general you can follow us on facebook.com slash all comic or on twitter.com slash all comic underscore uh but if you want to follow you know manga mavericks in particular uh you can follow us on uh, us on twitter like we mentioned earlier at manga underscore mavericks and you can also follow us on tumblr at uh, mangamavericks.tumblr.com and uh, you know you can also email us anything about manga the podcast uh, what you're reading what suggestions you may have for uh, debate topics for our manga fights uh, really anything in general and we'll read it on the show you can email us at mangamavericks at gmail.com but the most important thing guys is that you subscribe rate and review us on iTunes and I think that's about it for the show. Again, this is probably going to be a long one, but uh, uh, we will probably uh, we'll probably record another episode around January eighth to hopefully have that released probably around the uh, probably the eleventh or the twelfth. So until then, we'll I guess technically we'll see you guys next year. Moving on from twenty sixteen to twenty seventeen. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. Can't stop. Won't stop. Bye, guys. Sayonara.